This is Monster of the Week. I'm Jeremy Greer. It's with Chris and Jeremy. I'm Chris Mosier. Sam's got kicks and the angels got on. Can you kick a pigeon on it? Rest in peace, break home. This is Monster of the Week, the creepy but necessary podcast where Chris and I are going episode by episode through the entire series of the TV show Supernatural. And we are very deep into season nine, Chris. We are so deep, it be crying. I'm I'm, kind of into this. That's a very old internet joke. Like, if you want to go back to 1999, like, before there were memes, that was an internet meme, is the Delta commercial. Uh, Anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying this the, the ending of season nine. Like I didn't like. Obviously, we didn't like the last episode, but the last couple of episodes have been okay. Like I'm kind of into all like our mainline supernatural stuff right now. Yeah, I mean the last mainline supernatural episode we had was um, gar- a garbage fire, but this one's pretty good. So I'm feeling I'm feeling all right. Well, we had we had Metatron, then we had Jody, mm-hmm. and then we had uh, whatever the fuck was happened last week, and now we yeah. have this. This yeah. is the Metatron episode done right, right? Like this is this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, this, this, this episode is good. All this, around. Epi- this episode is good. Yeah. Spoilers, everybody. This episode is good. Yeah. Uh, before we uh, get too deep into the podcast and before we make it cry, I uh, just want to say thank you to all of the patrons at patreon.com slash monster of the week, specifically Sean, who was our, our last, uh, our most recent patron. Thank you very much, Sean. Um, thank you. Patrons get episodes of this podcast early they get exclusive episodes on monster of the weeks presents where we cover just a wide variety of topics anything and everything anime music musicals tv shows all kinds of cool stuff over there and then you also get access to our discord so you can chat with us and our listeners and it's a really good time over there so thank you to everybody that's doing that now and thank you to everybody who's considering doing that in the future chris it's time i gave you the week off you had a week uh, off. You had time off. Uh, we had a Memorial Day weekend, uh, and now it is time to catch us up uh, on season nine. Uh, last time was supernatural. Uh, driven by revenge and goaded by Metatron, Castiel has finally risen to the task of leading the rebellion against heaven and hopes to reclaim what was lost. lost? Meanwhile, Sam and Dean grapple with Crowley and Abaddon as the two powerful demons vie for control of the underworld. underworld. Being caught between the war for heaven. And the war for hell has left the boys with few options, leading Dean down a darkening path towards power via the mark of Cain and the first blade. blade. It's as good a shot as the Winchesters are going to get. But with the mark's effects on Dean, hold on, I read that wrong. But will the mark's effects on Dean be a sacrifice too great to bear? Bear. Good work, Chris. That was good. I like I like that you inca- that you you recruited a hype band behind you so that someone could shout out all of the, the <laughs> yeah, last words yeah. in each sentence. That uh, was good. Yeah. Thanks, Marvin. I'll catch you next time. Yeah, thank you, Marv. We appreciate it. <laughs> Today we are covering season nine, episode twenty-one, "King of the Damned." This was written by Brad Buckner and Eugenie Ross Lemming. This was directed by P.J. Pesci. It aired on May sixth, two thousand fourteen. Uh, Abaddon blackmails Crowley. Castiel captures one of Metatron's oh, angels. Oh God! I was gonna say, please let that be the whole thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was it. That's it. That's the whole episode. Castiel captures one of Metatron's angels and asks Sam and Dean to help with the interrogation. Dean eagerly accepts, which doesn't go unnoticed by Sam. Sam, 
will remember that. Meanwhile, Abadan, 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 Abadan is a whole new character we have to create at some point. Yeah, Abadan. Uh, Abad- it's, it's Abadan's younger brother <laughs> who doesn't have a job, but like his sister's going to be queen of hell, so he's just sort of riding her coattails. <laughs> what about Abaddon Henley, right? Like the guy that went on to, yeah. to record with the Eagles. Like that's a, that's a yeah, great dude right go. there. That's the older brother. Um, Abaddon demands Crowley help her kill Sam and Dean. When he refuses, she reveals her shocking bargaining pit, Chip. Also, Castiel sets a meeting with Gadriel. So that's just kind of a, a, a cool. footnote in all of this. Very good. Cool. Um, we mentioned this. I think this is a good episode. Uh, I feel like this is a. We've got three episodes left in the season after this, and I feel like this is going to be at the beginning of a ramp up. I'd be, I don't remember, and I haven't looked ahead. I don't think, let me rephrase. I would be disappointed if we go off on just like a random monster of the week hunt during, in the next three episodes. I want this to be the start. It feels like it's too late. Is there, are there really three? Are there really three left? I'm, I'll I'll check, but I believe so. I think there's 24 in this season. I don't know. Right? Should we start? Should we start correcting each other on here? Because people, I feel like lately people have been correcting us on little facts that like one or one of us will get something wrong. And like if I notice it, I'm not going to say anything because like I'm not I'm not gonna, I'm not going to interrupt Jeremy unless I think I'm being funny. I'm not going to interrupt. <laughs> Better fucking not. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like <laughs> I don't know if we should correct each other. I don't watch it because I usually don't give a shit, but. Uh, we have two episodes left in the season. I was wrong. There's 23, and this is episode 21. So I feel okay. like there's definitely not going to be a a diversion at this point. This is going to be all 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 thriller, no filler, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so we start out, and the then statement is, or not statement, but the then section is one of the longest recaps in supernatural history. I've got four lines on this in my notes, and it's all stuff that already happened. Like we introduce the Angel War, we introduce Metatron. We introduce Gadriel. I even wrote in my notes at this point, wow, this is taking a long time. Uh, we introduce Abaddon, the Devil's Trap Bullets, Dean having the Mark of Cain, Hellhounds, they remind us of that, and that Crowley can control them. Crowley's addicted it's like, to human blood. Like, they give us the rundown in this, right? This is how much they respect their audience. And by that, I mean not at all. Because they say, oh, they need everything explained to them, right? I mean, I guess for people who maybe don't watch it every week. I'm sure there's plenty of fans who just don't, like, you know, have, have time to sit down every week, and they just catch it when it's on, um, because it's a relic from the WB. It's an old show. Um, but yeah, I don't know why they feel the need to tell us everything that we already know about the show, but hey, they do it. I I, th- I feel like uh, I will always take um, a recap over not having a recap. As somebody, like, I feel like binge sure, okay. culture, Netflix culture, has taken away the recap and you know sometimes i don't i'm not going to be able to watch 12 episodes of jessica jones in a weekend like i i'll may i might get six deep and then when i start episode seven i kind of need a reminder maybe it's been a week and a half since i've seen that a simple recap doesn't i don't feel like it takes a i know it takes work i don't think it takes a lot of work and i think it's it's a good thing to have we're obviously going directly into a a season finale type situation here so having all of this information in our hands i think is is the best thing to do yeah. Oh, oh God! I've lost you. I got no you. problem where, with that. Where are you at? I got no where did problem you with go? That. I'm right here. I'm. I'm just. I was just nodding. I was nodding sagely. Oh, good. Okay. Cool. 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 That, any any of our patrons that can look at the YouTube page where we live record this will be able to see Chris nodding in this section. Just the camera of me nodding. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, 
Yeah, so, all right. So flashback to Scotland, 1723. We've seen this motherfucker before, but I don't really remember where. I knew who he was instantly, but I don't remember when we saw him. I don't know that we've seen this dude before. Have we? That's a bullshit. I remember him. You're, you're, I mean, oh, I, because I've seen this episode before. Obviously, you're talking about Gavin McLeod, um, who I have, who now, I have, I have. They summoned his. They summoned his ghost before, right? Oh, you're right. He has a season six reference. Why don't I remember? Because they any were trying to like get get one up on Crowley, and like we got your ghost of your son, and he was like, "I don't care about my son." You're right. They they dug. Wow, I don't remember this episode in season six at all. This has Rufus in it with Bobby delivering the it's ring. The Bobby Rufus episode where Sam and Dean are just background characters. What the I, Chris? I have no memory of this episode. Are about, am I? I've okay? seen that episode like. It's it's one of our top episodes. We said it was one of the best episodes of the show. It's Weekend at Bobby's. He then told Bobby he could torture Gavin all he wanted, but Bobby informed him that Gavin wasn't a hostage. Crowley was shocked when he found out that Gavin told Bobby where Crowley's body was buried. Having gotten his revenge on his father, Gavin vanished. I, Chris, are we sure we covered this episode? Did we skip the episode? I know we did. I'm pretty sure. Is that, what's the name of that episode? It's Weekend at Bobby's, right? I'm not tripping, right? It's, um... They don't actually, they just say season six. They don't actually talk about which episode it is. So goodness I, gracious. I could be wrong. No, no. I mean, it's season six. I just, I'm just saying like, it's, I, I, I don't remember this episode, Chris. I'm, I'm feeling very, I'm feeling very uncomfortable right now. Who are you? Where am I? What are we doing We're, here? Okay. I'm, my name is Gavin McLeod or whatever. I'm living <laughs> in Scotland. It's 1723. Abaddon just came to pay me a visit. She puts a an Okian sigil on the door, and then she starts doing the hoorah, Castiel. Uh, she starts doing his spell that he likes to do, and she uh, she she teleports him to to modern day. But we don't we don't see that right away. What we start off with after Abaddon uh, time abducts this boy uh, is angels hanging out at a bar, and like the awkward like pencil pusher middle management dude being like, "Well, actually, um, Metatron uh, he told me about uh, my plans with his you know his hands on his hips, and he's like." His nipples are hard as fucking rock as he's just acting like he's got some sort of power. And all these other angels, they don't want to talk to him. I don't know why all these angels are hanging out at like a pub, but that's the situation that we walk into. So, so number one, I want to go back to Abaddon, who does the Castiel weird angel demon chanting thing way better than uh-huh. Castiel has ever done it. Like okay. this, this actually kind of sells it for me. Uh, number two, I really thought these were all just like college students talking about their professor until like the idiot Metatron shows idiot Metatron like suck up shows up. Like I've really, they do a good job of selling. This as just like a casual conversation between some idiots, right? Yeah. I was pretty sure that they were just idiots until we find out like a minute later when this dude gets abducted or whatever, (laughs) that he's a, uh, that he was a, um, uh, a Metatron dude. Yeah. So this dude is an angel. Uh, he gets abducted. Um, he gets chained to a chair in a unknown location, which I first thought was the bunker, but turns out not to be the bunker. It's the angel bunker, which we have not been introduced to yet. Mm-hmm. Um, as he's chained in the chair, a guy that I've called maroon angel in my notes, because he is literally dressed in all maroon clothing. He's got a maroon <laughs> jacket, maroon shirt, maroon pants, maroon belt, maroon shoes. Like this dude like picked a color and just went just just leaned into it. It's because because Castiel is in charge now, but he he's not very good at remembering everybody's names. So he's like, okay, I'll just assign a color to a person, and I'll know. Okay, maroon is on kidnap duty. Uh, green is on guard duty. I got it, no problem. <laughs> I like those green eyes. So uh, you know, green is going to be my special buddy. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, it's uh. Well, as it turns out, this is this is the angel bunker. This is the angel compound where Castiel is in charge, and. 
they are going to now um, in- interrogate this angel that they caught. And there's a there's a fun moment where this angel says this this guy that's been kidnapped, this angel that's been kidnapped, says he's re- going to refuse to talk. And they hear ominous footsteps. And the angel who's chained to the floor said, or chained to the chair says, "Is that is that him?" And the maroon angel is like, "Yes, that is him." And around the corner, Crowley comes, and like you just see him, and you're like, "Oh, well, he's so nice and cute looking. Like he's not yeah. a scary guy. Like Castiel isn't scary. What's yeah, happening so you here?" You said Crowley, but I was pretty sure you meant Castiel. Definitely meant Castiel. Yeah, my bad. Um. Yeah, it's he's like the biggest softie in the whole world. So I'm like, what kind of lies have they been spreading about him? <laughs> There's like they'll never convince me. Not ever. Not ever again will they convince me that Castiel is tough. Even when he does like cool like Leviathan executions, I'll I will believe that he's cool, but I'm never gonna believe that he's tough. Not since season four. They stripped him of all of his uh badassery by making him the softest, most beautiful boy in the world. It's true. Yeah, he is our precious baby boy. He is not a badass by any means. Like he could do some occasional badass things, but I'm never going to be scared when he walks onto the set. Um, Sam and Dean show up. They arrive at the Angel Bunker. They're welcomed by the Maroon Angel, who says that, oh, the commander will see them now. And as they, they walk through the Angel Bunker, we're, we're kind of, it's kind of a revelation for us. We see all of these, uh, what we presume to be angels, like doing like paperwork and shuffling around. There's a huge board in the background that's lit up with these lights. Um, yeah. very similar it's like the to the command what we... center in, in Empire Strikes Back on Hoth. Absolutely, uh, except yes. except way more hilarious because in the back, up at like Castiel's like studio where he's got his you know his little command center, he's just got a ton of pictures <laughs> of Metatron. He's just got a ton of pictures like, of Marv <laughs> just on the wall, like, taken from security cameras and shit, just pasted up all over the walls. Really cracks like, me up. Like we're gonna forget what he looks like, or as if he couldn't like, just, just change his form at any time because now he is God. Like, Cassio could just write down, you know, where he was seen and at what time he was seen and, like, try to track him, follow his movements. But no, he's just got pictures of him all over his wall. And it, it's the same fucking picture, like, 11 different times in black and white. One of them's in color. It's so funny. I love it. Is he, uh, is it, is it, is he chasing Metatron or does he just have a big old crush on Metatron? Which I don't is know. It? It's Which just is a collage. It? It's just a collage. It's a, it's a teenage collage. Like this is, this is somebody being really obsessed with Justin Bieber, right? Like that's what yeah. this is. Yeah. Like, oh, I love this celebrity so much. I have to have pictures of them all over my wall. Um, Castiel hugs each of the brothers. Always, always I here like for that. Castiel hug. Um, yeah, it's a good moment. He says that he's in charge of this whole operation. Bartholomew, uh, who we remember as the guy who kind of, spearheaded one of the angel factions to like he had a preacher in his back pocket convincing people to give up their their bodies to be angel vessels uh he's dead malachi who we remember as the uh the angel sweat stain is Mm -hmm. is also dead um yeah and he says that he's not really trying to wage war on metatron he wants to find a diplomatic solution which of course dean scoffs at um and he wants them he wants sam and dean to question this angel and, and and like the description said, Dean eagerly accepts. He is very <laughs> into this. Dean is like, oh, fuck. It is time to torture some people. Not even people. It's time to torture some cosmic beings. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. And Dean, he's like, he comes in kind of like copping a tune. And guess he was like, well, you don't you don't have to torture him if you don't want to. Like, you're just like. You're pretty good at getting this stuff done. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. who says that I don't want to do it? I'm just acting coy here. Let me, let me in on that. <laughs> you said I did not want to do this. I this is what I have been pain waiting for. To, to living beings. That's what I get off on. 
Um, from here, we go over to Crowley. Crowley is in a extremely nice uh, meeting room slash office fireplace in the background. You know, wood on the you know it's, it's completely like really nice wooden room. Like it's it's just a really cool office. Uh, and he is giving a speech to his staff about restoring the confidence of his followers so that he can be the king of hell. And he said he asked them to say the word yo if he's if they're with him. Uh, which is kind of weird, but I'm I'm kind of here as a guy who says yo probably way too much in his, in his daily sure, life. Yeah. Uh, here for uh, none of them respond, and it's not until Abaddon behind him says yo uh, and says, "Oh, I just meant that I am directly behind you. Like I'm that's all I meant. Like I'm not yeah. actually behind yeah. you in what you're doing. I'm just literally physically behind you right now." Um, it's hard. It's it's hard to believe that someone can steal the show from Crowley because Crowley is always um so charismatic. But uh, Abaddon does it here. She just she draws everyone's attention and as being like the bigger threat and and the more charismatic leader in this moment in in the room right now. Crowley has a really good line here that uh, I didn't get a chance to completely write down and the Wikipedia is failing me. But he basically says, like, I'm going to torture all of you and then I'm going to torture you so hard that you're going to wish you had been tortured better in the past or something like he just goes on like a like a four level torture metaphor that I I could really get behind. Yeah. it's really good. Torture you with torture so torturous that you'll wish that you were tortured, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's really funny. Like, Crowley delivers this stuff very, very, very well. Um, Abaddon says she knows about the Mark of Cain and that Dean has it and that they're searching for the blade. And she says, hey, you know, like, as soon as they kill me with this thing, they're coming after you, too. We might as well join forces, kill those two Winchester boys, and then we can figure out what to do with one another. And Crowley immediately refuses. And this is when she brings out gavin the goober who i had completely forgotten was in the show before yeah uh beloved beloved favorite gavin just like carlos just like pete just like irv you know this is a guy that we've gotten to know pretty well albeit in ghost form up until now (laughs) but now it's gavin made flesh that's what this episode should have been called was gavin made flesh because this is this is a big moment for gav you know um you don't think gavin the goober first of his name would have been a good episode title you think that that would have been a great that would have been a great episode but they you know they they have bigger fish to fry i guess Mm. um so crowley is like yo i don't care about my son like been through this before chris and jeremy they know they've covered my my interactions with my son (laughs) they will definitely remember remember. a year ago of this podcast (laughs) they don't they they'll remember that i don't care about my son they have a supernatural um, podcast they are obviously experts on the canon of supernatural of course (laughs) Um, but because he's been hitting that human blood a little bit, he actually is like, oh shit. Like I do, maybe I do have some feelings for for the wee lad. Yes. And she starts, she starts squishing his eyes and eventually he caves. Like he can only take so much of this torture. And, uh, (laughs) I mean, he's falling down, like writhing in a pool of his own blood. And then like he, Crowley's trying to pretend to be like nonplussed about all of this, but he is still like, you could tell it's fucking with him. He is very plussed. He's extremely plussed about it. Um, And eventually he asked her to stop. And uh, that's when we switch back over to Sam and Dean, uh, who are confronting this angel um, whose name is uh, Ezra. Ezra is this angel's name. Cool, cool. uh, Um, Yeah, Dean is like, you know, doing the usual torture thing. He's not going mm -hmm. too hard or anything like that. Um, But Sam kind of has to interrupt. And I don't even know if this part of it's like part of the ploy or if it was just like Dean losing his cool again, but Sam has to interrupt, tell Dean to chill and not kill him. And then Sam starts playing into this little pencil pusher angels ego a little bit. Um, which I, I love this scene. I love seeing the boys 
do something in a different way. You know, yes. th- it's not like this is the first time that we've seen this kind of tactic on people. Um, but I, I love that we get to see them doing something different and not just like, oh, punch the thing till we get the plot point and then we'll move on to the next plot point and then the episode's over. We have an argument in the Impala, something like that. This is like, it's showing us a different facet of how the boys communicate, how they can get their job done. And it's really entertaining and it's really interesting to watch. Even though they're just, they're, yeah, they're just playing with this dude. They're just playing into his ego and being like, yeah, there's no way that this idiot really knows anything. Um, and they start like laughing on him and the guy's like, you know, he's, he's not giving up any information when they torture him. But now he's like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I do know. I knew, I do know stuff. You guys, you guys are idiots. I do know. I do know stuff. You just aren't asking the right questions. I also like this as not only an example of the boys doing something different, but like the very quick communication between the boys, because I feel like Dean was straight up about to start knifing this dude and Sam like pulled him off. And immediately, as soon as Sam is like, this guy probably doesn't know anything. Look at him. He doesn't. I mean, he's obviously a fake. And Dean just picks up on it immediately and rolls with it. Like, it's a really good, like, even though we've had our brother drama this season, and even though it's been not necessarily forgiven, like, the boys haven't, like, had their final conversation about some of the brother drama this season, I feel like. Um, They've still managed to have this working relationship. And, like, all of those, all of that ingrained communication is still there like they still have those habits so dean just picks it up rolls with it and they just get so much information out of this guy like just with a little bit of reverse psychology and like presuming that the guy is an asshole he just gives everything up there's a portal private portal to heaven metatron moves it around from place to place like they they get so much info out of this dude this this guy's a full-on info dump but it's it's great um so let's see back with the demons um it's just us kind of catching up with our old friend Gavin as he uh, he learns that they're no no he's not in heaven no they're not angels uh, his dad is actually a, a demon from hell who was uh, the, the the king of hell at one point so yeah there's a, there's a lot going on here and then it's yeah then it's just back to to Sam Dean well, wait wait the wait angel just, dude hold on because there's some there's some really good stuff in this in this one scene with Gavin because, I took no notes on it so okay because Crowley like at one point tells him it's been 291 years and, and Gavin like and, and, and Gavin just looks like a fucking idiot during this that's the reason I keep calling him Gavin the goober he just looks like a fucking like idiot in this entire episode uh he doesn't believe it's been 291 years so Crowley takes the shade off the light bulb and like flicks it on and off and Gavin's first response is yeah. can you cook a pigeon on it <laughs> <laughs> Which is just very hilarious to me. And then once he's like, where he go- looks out the window and is just like, fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, oh my God, we're amongst the stars. Are you angels? And like Crowley and Abaddon look at each other and both go, wow, at the same time. Yeah. Like, what a fucking <laughs> idiot this dude is. There's like, I'm making fun of Gavin a lot. I think Gavin adds a really great like line of levity to this entire episode that it, it desperately It's a really needs. weird element to have just thrown in there amongst like the meeting of like the two like factions of hell or whatever <laughs> yeah uh, that that just humanizes it in a really dumb way that's just very fun and then we go back over to sam and dean who get even more information out of ezra ezra was interviewed to be in this top position he was passed over he insisted it was an honor to even be interviewed which is what everybody in second place always says oh it was an mm-hmm, honor to mm-hmm. compete they don't really give a fuck um but he he all he knows is that Metatron was assembling a squad and he doesn't even know what it is that he was interviewing for, which of course they make fun of, of him greatly for. <laughs> um, but it turns out to be like, a. I mean, I guess we don't really know. It's just like an elite secret squad. That's all we know. Yeah. 
And we go back over to Gavin, who has found out that his father sold his soul for uh, three inches of wiener, I believe is the quote in Supernatural. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's canon, everybody. Um, I think that we, we knew this previously. From, I think we did, too. Yeah. The episode where Gavin shows up for the first time. Um, Crowley kind of goes through this whole thing and explains like, yeah, I sold my soul. I went to hell. My soul became demonized. I took over hell. I possessed this new body and now I'm here. And Gavin is like, he just does not understand anything that's happening in this. Uh, It's a lot. It's a lot for for poor old Gavin to take in. Um, But then, yeah, back to uh, back to the angel compound. Some well, Crowley does explain like, hey, I'm the king of hell. So you can be the prince of hell, uh, maybe. And um, yeah, back to back to the angel compound um, where they're just they're just stapling up more pictures of metatron to the walls um and someone goes to check on the prisoner the prisoner that we saw sam and dean leave totally alive like dean didn't torture the guy um someone goes to check on the prisoner and finds that he is extremely dead with like a bullet hole or a stab wound in his chest like a serious thing um and then we just see the 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 boys explain to castiello that like they they weren't the ones who killed him and they realized that this was an angel kill and therefore, this probably that probably means that Metatron has an inside man in Castiel's camp. Yeah, and I really thought this was setting up a uh, did Sam and Dean actually kill the angel and try to hide it from Castiel's group, and like they were going to be like there was going to be that that was going to be the conflict, right? Like all of the angels underneath Castiel were going to think that Sam and Dean killed this dude, and but they really hadn't. It was a, it was a, it was a mole, but none of that actually plays out, which yeah, I was that would that would certainly about. be interesting drama to have castiel finally take up the mantle of leadership only to have his whole faction turn on his two best friends well to turn on like the guy he likes and his brother (laughs) (laughs) and some other guy named sam that he occasionally remembers uh castiel looks very sad about this um and then dean's like and dean has this line of you know that's that's your problem you don't think anyone is lying and i think everyone is lying it's a gift uh, just showing how like deeply cynical Dean is becoming this season. Like he's just he's just yeah. not a very happy dude at all. Yeah, I don't really remember Dean ever being. I mean, we go through phases of Dean being like you know super cynical about stuff. But yeah, this is definitely a he's the the big the big cynical full moon is out for Dean tonight. Absolutely. Uh, Dean leaves to go sniff around his words, not mind. And uh, before <laughs> Sam leaves, uh, Castiel stops him and asked Castiel, excuse me, asks Sam about Gadriel possessing him. And one of our very, very few one-on-one Sam cast scenes, this very rarely happens in the Supernatural series, Seriously, right? Seriously, yeah, um, this, is, this is rare material here. And Sam says, like, it wasn't really a possession. It was more like we were sharing the same house. And that he never really felt threatened. He more felt like Gadriel had unfinished business, which, of course, knowing who he is now, he's like, oh, yeah, now I, now I can totally see that. He would kind of feels like he was maybe he thought he, he was in danger or something. And um, Sam's like, eh, I never felt like I was in danger or he would, had any kind of dangerous ideas in mind. But obviously, I was totally wrong about that. Like, yeah, that dude killed Kevin. So, he, um, yeah, he says, like, yeah, I felt like I wasn't alone, but I never. Uh, like you said, you never never felt like it was a hostile presence. It was just somebody else was was near. Never felt threatened, and he thought that Gadriel. The impression that he got from Gadriel was that he was he felt misunderstood, um, which is something that Sam can probably relate to. Especially you know, past Sam always felt misunderstood. Like like nobody un- nobody understood why he was doing the things that he was doing, um, and he was being labeled as a bad guy for or, or as a freak for you know reasons beyond his control. 
Um, but yeah, then Sam obviously says, oh, I was wrong. Clearly I was wrong. Whatever I just said, whatever I felt, it wasn't true because Gadriel killed Kevin. I, I like this scene a lot, not only because it's a, it's a solo Castiel Sam conversation, but also it's very rare. And this scene kind of put this in perspective for me that we see Sam talking about his feelings, uh, without Dean around. And mm-hmm. so like, he's, he's free to talk about this without any kind of weird Dean apologizing or Dean giving him a guilt trip about anything. Like he's just literally like laying out how he feels and it's just, and that's it. Like he just, be, he's able to say the thing that is on his mind and in his heart without being interrupted with any of Dean's bullshit. And I, I know, I know I've been pretty harsh on Dean this season, guys. I know, I know I like, believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of it, but it really, it really does feel like D- Sam doesn't get to have these conversations when he's not shouted down afterwards. And Castiel just literally listens to him and is like, yep, okay, mm-hmm. thank you for this information. And pats him on mm-hmm. the shoulder and gives him a smack on the ass and get out of there. Get, get out of here, boy. <laughs> get, get, get your big ass out of here. Get your, get your, get your tall, lanky ass out of here. I'm done get with you. Get your whole ass out of here. Get your whole ass out of my office and into my car. <laughs> Sam's smiling, doesn't really know if he's being made fun of or if he's being flirted with. He's just all confused. I don't know. I thought you um, I thought you were the dean, but but now I'm getting yeah, a little yeah. I'm getting a little glimmer. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this show can only benefit from our characters talking to other people. So much of, of everything happens between the brothers, which we we love. But um especially with Sam and Castiel, these moments are so rare that it feels like they're they're tugging at at important little emotional nuances that we yeah like you said we don't otherwise see this stuff uh dean gets a lot of one-on-one with every other character um but usually not sam so it's it's cool to see this and we had we had some sam and jody stuff i think earlier this season which, we did which was yeah really which cool. was also really good yeah i like that stuff a lot even though i think that didn't like i think some people took that as to um imply that maybe that there was a like a relationship blooming there and i'm not i'm not really here for sam and jody as a, as a ship to be honest with you like if you no, like I, it, fine. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna yuck your gum or whatever or, or whatever. But I like. I like those two as just really good friends, as having like some fucked up stuff happen to them and they're bonding over it. Yeah, I don't want to say that I see them as having like a mother son relationship because yeah. I don't. She's not that much older than him. Yeah. But that is sort of the the thing I get because Sam is the younger brother and he is. Um, there. I don't know. There's just there's just that aspect of him that I think that why the older women in Supernatural love him is that there's there's some. The mother instinct. Um, Maybe concerned just... step aunt is what I want Jody to yeah. be to Sam. <laughs> like a, just a very good, like a, an interested step aunt. <laughs> just a, an, an older sister, really. That's kind sure, of the vibe. Sure, I that, that'll work from too. Jody. Yeah. Um, so we go back over to uh, Gavin the Goober. Uh, he's, he's yelling at Crowley some more. Um, Crowley is saying like, well, you know, you have every right to hate me. I was a shitty dad. All I did was lose my job and drink and beat you and, uh, you know, wake up the next day and feel hungover and beat you and then drink because I felt guilty about it and then beat you again. Like he had like the vicious cycle and um, alluding to some things that are going to happen in the future. He says, you know, I didn't have any good role models like my mother was a witch. What do you want from me? Like I had no I had no idea like that, but which is. I don't know how like how far in advance they were planning on Crowley's mom showing up, but like spoilers for some people out there, like it's it, Crowley's mom is going to show up at some point. Like you can't just put that into an episode and not expect that to happen. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if that was mentioned previously as well or not, but um, I feel like yeah, it was. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. 
other I mean, obviously I'm not the person to trust with your family, right? <laughs> like, I have I have lost the memory of an entire episode with Rufus, apparently. Although I do remember him swallowing that ring. I just don't remember it being Crowley's son. Anyway. <laughs> um Gavin complains like he's like, I'm not even able to read. Like I'm not even I can't even I can't even read things. And Crowley's like, Well, here and touches his head and he's like, you know, being the king of hell, it has its perks. Like I can I can give you some some abilities. And Gavin's like, Oh, well, wait a minute. If I'm if I'm your son and you're the king of hell, I'm the prince of hell, and I yeah, yeah. I want to guarantee that I will never go to hell, and I want to go back to my past, or excuse me, go back to my present and get on that ship and go to the colonies, having this newfound information, knowing that I have a future ahead of me, and and for whatever reason, Crowley is is like, no, I don't want you to get on that ship, and and we, but we don't spend a lot of time here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was gonna make a really bad dumb joke about Gavin a minute ago, and I can't really remember what it was. I'm here <laughs> oh, I for all Gavin say, jokes, my man. I, I all of them. I think it was like, well, Gavin, if you don't, uh, how did? It's really stupid. Um, if you don't know how to read, how'd you know that you don't know how to read, huh, Gavin? <laughs> well, I mean, really, really stupid. That's why I didn't. <laughs> I, I, it was really stupid, and then I forgot it, and then I thought, oh, did I just have a Gavin joke? And then I remembered it, and I said it, and uh, here we are. And it's, instead of having happened. a Gavin joke, you had a Gavin moment. Congratulations, Chris. You're the Gavin, Gavin of the podcast. I had my first Gavin moment. I had my first Gavin moment. It took us 124 episodes, but I had my first Gavin moment, everybody. Oh, man, I love it. Um, Castiel, we then go to the woods, uh, just random outdoors scene. Where yeah. Castiel is meeting with Gabriel. He's just beating the shit out of his meat in the woods. Yeah, he's just going to... Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I have my fanfic. I have my fanfic open. I'm sorry. Close that. Close that. Close that. Um, um, we see, um... Uh, uh. <laughs> Castiel is meeting with Gadriel in the woods. And uh, Gadriel says that Castiel has a reputation for honor. Behind Castiel is, uh, is the angel that found the dead Ezra earlier. It's this woman angel that we've seen a few times now. Um, she's not given a whole lot to do, but like we, we definitely recognize her as a supporting character. What color? Um, what color is her uh, wardrobe? Uh, is she wearing a tan overcoat, trench know. coat? I like? don't know. Uh, we we got to know if she had a label in your notes as well. No, no, I just like just I don't even think I put that in my notes. I just remembered it. Uh, we apparently missed that in Bloodlines, by the way. Like the the chick that the dude that the the, the shifter is into, like the werewolf that he's into, is apparently wearing mm-hmm. like tan trench coat. Like it's very much like a Dean stand, or very much like a Castiel stand in, and we just forgot to mention it. So, whoops, sorry. Everybody. Did they did they do that on purpose, or is she just like? wearing a very popular style of um a modern woman jacket like i feel like if you've got a character whose whole thing is wearing a certain kind of trench coat and then you put another character into it in that same basically the same trench coat it has to be a reference but this whole thing was so obviously poorly planned from the beginning i i, I don't know <laughs> like, um i'm gonna go on record and say 100 percent don't think it's a reference okay okay um <laughs> So, uh, Castiel tries to convince Gadriel to leave Metatron. He says, you know, your Metatron is not an honorable dude. He's, he's manipulating you into doing these things. He's obviously a bad guy. I, I don't think that you should be partnered up with this dude and Metatron and, and Gadriel is like, nah, I'm, I'm pretty chill where I am. And <laughs> yeah. basically during that chill conversation, a bunch of angels like just spring out of the bushes. <laughs> like surprise motherfucker. I'm back. Yeah. Yeah. I love the um, fact that these angels were just hiding behind a tree somewhere. It makes me like these cosmic beings that, that God made before the humans 
hiding in the fucking bushes in nowhere vancouver canada is really yeah, great to me dressed in like full old navy outfits absolutely um, yeah just hiding in bushes and it's just so i'm i was gonna say i don't know why any of this was set up because because metatron wants castiel to rebel against this like so why did he send dudes to kill castiel but it's because he's trying to set this whole thing up with Met- with Metatron, or not with Metatron, with uh, Gadriel, like, yeah. crossing over. And it's all part of his, his bigger ploy, so I guess that makes sense. It, which is fine, because we don't have to listen to him talk about it. Like at Oh, this, yeah. Like, I'm, I am here for implied Metatron plots. I'm not here for him winking at the fucking camera at Metatron mm-hmm, plots. Mm-hmm. Um, so these angels, these attack angels, kill Castiel's unnamed uh, friend. Uh, but Castiel manages to kill the the guy that kills the the other angel and the guy that kill that tries to attack him, um, and that and that's pretty much it. We don't like see any like epilogue to that scene. We just go immediately back over to Dean, who's chilling out in Angel HQ, having visions of the first time that he used the knife, where he killed the 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 man the man of letters that was that had tried to kidnap him and kill Sam, um, and he's kind of freaking out about this. We we have spoken in the past about how the mark of Cain and the blade specifically is affecting Dean's mindset. We saw um, even in the Jody episode most recently where he was like, you know, turn around, look me in the eye, bitch. And trying to kill Hmm. this vampire, which is, you know, bitch is one of like the seven bad words they can use on the CW. So whatever, but like, it's still a little weird. Um, but obviously Dean is like going through some shit with this, right? Like yeah. w- what's your, what's your take on, on what Dean's mindset right now? He's having sex dreams right now, dude. He's like, remembering like this thing that, that felt really good and he's reliving the experience. And as much as he's, uh, he's shaken by it. That's like, that's kind of how I'm, I mean, I'm, I said the sex dream thing as a joke, but that's almost like what it is. Like he's reliving a thrilling experience that he had. And that's what he's thinking about. And he's kind of feeling ashamed about it. Cause you can t- kind of try to trust to shake it off. Like, like he's not thinking about that. But it's really taken hold over his mind. It's it's left a, a big impression, not just on his mind, but on like his body too. It's something that it's a sensation that he's that he's unknowingly craving. That's that's what the mark is now doing to him. I was about to say you have a lot weirder sex dreams than I do because this doesn't look like a fun sex dream to me. This looks like a oh, you don't get murdered at the end of your sex dreams. I don't know. Am I? I don't oh. often dream about Lady Maria, but when I do, I'm definitely <laughs> murdered at the end. Um, Sam has to bring him out of this like reverie, right? Like he, he's, he's so checked out. Sam is literally clapping at him because his phone is ringing and he's ignoring that. Um, and on the phone is our buddy Crowley who says, Hey, found the first blade. Um, you know, I found where Abaddon is. Come meet me. I'll give you the blade. I'll give you Abaddon and, uh, or no, no, I'm sorry. Here's where the blade is. Go grab it and come meet me and I'll give you Abaddon. And the blade is in a cemetery, not only buried in a casket, but it's literally inside of a dead body. And they're going to have to literally put their hands in this dead body and get this blade. It's super gross. I love it. It's so gross. It's it's just a classic horror. Now, this isn't this isn't the Poughkeepsie part, is it? Not yet. No, not yet. Okay. Okay. Um, um, yeah. Dean is, a, is about to, like, shove his hand in to get this blade uh, in his hand into this dead body. When they start hearing weird noises, and uh, sure enough, they correctly identify that they've got some hellhounds around uh, protecting the first blade. They they run away. They don't have their their cool specs from that episode that was in whatever yeah, season. Yeah. Uh, they don't have their glasses tainted with whatever blood that they needed to be able to see hellhounds anymore. 
Oh, you think they would keep those bad boys around? Like, I'd probably have those around my neck, right? Like, you know, they're I my carry reading my glasses. glasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I I wear contacts, and if I if I go out anywhere for an extended period of time, I bring my glasses. Because what if I lose a contact and I gotta drive home? You know, I'm blind as a goddamn bat. I can put if, it in my jacket pocket. I put it in my center console. I'm good. What if you're defiling a corpse in the middle of a cemetery yeah. and some hellhounds attack? You're gonna be able. You're gonna be able to see those guys if you have your glasses. What if I'm defiling you? a corpse in in a cemetery and I lose a contact <laughs> it's, it's very scary chris you don't want to lose a contact yeah so after sam drops both of his contacts they're forced to uh to to flee to uh, to the nearby nearby uh, sepulcher to to hide away from the approaching hellhounds um so from the rest of this episode on we have to like go forward knowing that sam can't see because he dropped his contacts do either of the boys need eyeglasses you think like are they are they no are they 2020 no, no way you think so Wearing contacts is such a, an ordeal. It is such a part of my life. Sure, that that there's you couldn't edit around it. It's such <laughs> a know? it's such a huge part of my life that I have neglected. I have just chosen not to do it anymore. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck contacts. I'm just gonna wear my glasses. Like it's just. Really I haven't easy. gotten I haven't gotten a new pair of glasses in eight years because I just wear contacts and I have this this awful looking pair of glasses. They're bent out of control, and it's just when I put them on, you know, it's like oh oh. oh. Chris has put his glasses on. Oh, it's not good. It's never good. <laughs> I would be like, imagine season 15 fast forwarding to like 80 year old Sam and Dean with like the full on like reading glasses and like cranky mm-hmm. old man stuff. Mm-hmm. It's very hilarious to me. So yeah, they're locked inside this, uh, sure. this tomb. <laughs> Let's get back and, into uh, that. <laughs> they're locked in a tomb mm-hmm. uh, and they don't know what to do because there's a, there's a hellhound barking at the heel. So Dean calls Crowley to be like, hey, uh, you didn't tell us that you set your dogs on this place, which like, that makes sense that Crowley would like set security and he didn't have time to like call them off because he's yeah. in a precarious situation. Um, so they just put him on speakerphone and Crowley just tells the girl, uh, the, the hellhound to, to, uh, you know, sit or whatever. Juliet. Did he? Juliet. That's right. I Did think we that previously we knew that. No, that like, think... they were, he, she was named Juliet. Was there a Romeo? That felt for, it felt familiar to me to know that her name was Juliet. Podcast, uh, supernatural canon experts on this podcast, Chris. <laughs> yeah, that's you and, you and I. Yes. When, uh, you, you rang. <laughs> so uh, Juliet leaves and they go back over to the corpse. Uh, there's a brief discussion of like who should get the, the knife, who should put their hand in. And Sam's like, maybe maybe you shouldn't have the knife right now. Maybe I should hold on to it. And Dean like reluctantly agrees. Chris, I have one very important question to you for you. What's, what's up? Did the up? boys not know what gloves are? No, no. <laughs> this feels like no. definitely a glove worthy situation. No. Am I right? Um, or at least as, like, like put your hand in a trash yeah. bag. Something that's not just put your hand in the corpse. No, they, they don't use gloves. They don't use bulletproof vests. They don't use helmets. They don't use anything that could ever help them. They just wear jackets. Just ca- the canvas jackets. That's it. They don't, there's nothing else going on inside, inside their, their heads. Um, gloves is not an option. Later on, they get the first blade and they don't even put that in a bag. They just like <laughs> wrap it in, in like leather. a, yeah. it's like, it's wrapped up in just some leather. It's like, they where t- did you, where did you get that? It's like they took the cover off their daddy's diaries, uh, trapper keeper and wrapped the first blade into it. That's what it looks like to me. Like that, this is just, just a cover for dad's leather. diary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he like Sam just sticks his hand in here and it's I have to I have to give credit to the sound department. This sounds disgusting. This sounds like literally somebody sticking their hand in a, a human corpse. Like it sounds icky mm-hmm. and gross and bad and it's super, super gross. When he pulls it out, it's just dripping with innards and grossness. 
It's super disgusting. Like I, I it's gnarly. do not like any of this. Yeah, um, I mean, I dislike it also, but I also love it because they just, I love when they throw little horror elements. I love when Supernatural remembers it's a, it's a horror show or that it can be a horror show yeah. when it wants to be. Yeah. Um, we go back over to Gavin the Goober, who is having like a, a yelling argument with his father. He's saying that he wants to go back to the past so that he can get on the ship. Crowley's trying to convince him not to get on the ship. And uh, Gavin just literally slams the door in his father's face, like classic teenage Gavin behavior here. Oh, yeah. Um, Dean calls and uh, Crowley answers and says, I hope you were nice to your father. And Dean's like, what? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which I just, I love for a whole lot of reasons. Not only like just, just all of the bullshit between Sam, excuse me, Dean and John Winchester. Like what? (laughs) Just that simple. Like what? (laughs) It's really good. (laughs) Um, And Crowley says like, Hey, I'm over here. Come find Abaddon. And uh, I know it's a long drive from Poughkeepsie. But uh, you'll you, you'll get here on time, and and Dean's like we're not even anywhere near at Poughkeepsie. And am I saying that right? Poughkeepsie, 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 Poughkeepsie. Thank you. Uh, you Dean says we're not even anywhere near that. And and you know, cut to Crowley, who was having this in conversation in front of Abaddon, confirming that yes, it will be a difficult drive from Poughkeepsie. Uh, and then um, for whatever which, reason, that's, that's a code word from the past. Yes. I don't remember when, but yeah. Well, this is when, um, when they went into Sam's mind to free him from Gadriel, this is what Dean told ah, Crowley, yes, yes, yes. like this, say this word and Sam will know. Uh, this is very concerning to me. Dean doesn't tell Sam this, like this is obviously Crowley telling Dean, this is a setup. Be careful. You need to watch yourself. Like, you know, just be like, be on guard. And Dean does not mention this to Sam whatsoever. Like we're going to get Dean's explanation later, but what, what's your thought before we get that explanation? Like, why is he hiding this from Sam? Because he, I, he honestly, I don't think he has any reason to be hiding it right now, unless he just already knows everything that like, rather than I have a suspicion that Crowley might be with Abaddon or I have a suspicion that something's going on. Um, he's just like, Nope, I'm just, I'm just, just not gonna tell Sam. There's a there's a suspicion, but I'm not going to share that concern. Um, fuck them. If my brother gets killed, who gives a shit? I'm not that there is something to worry about, but I'm not going to tell him. Obviously, he'd send Sam off somewhere else. Um, yeah, it'd be one thing if Dean just instantly like knew he's with Abaddon. I'm going to go in and kill him because we understand his motivation. But I think he's being a little bit careless by not sharing that information with Sam. But I mean, all of this is, is just setting us up for, for the later separation, which I do understand Dean in the state that he's in doing. It's just like, he doesn't have all the information here now. So it would be, it just feels like he should say, Hey, it feels like Crowley's trying to warn us about something. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like this is an easy one. Um, and I get that they're, they're trying to set up this thing. Like where they're trying to set up yet another, like Dean and Sam betrayal. Um, but it seems like so obvious that Dean would just be like, Oh shit. Crowley's letting on to this, letting on to me that this might be a trap. And Sam's like, of course it's a trap. It's fucking Crowley. Like that seems like the yeah. response that we should have gotten here. Um, <clears throat> well, instead we go over to Abaddon who says that she's super nervous about the odds of this meeting because it's going to be Sam and Dean. There's going to be Crowley. And then there's going to be her kind of on her own. So she pulls out a gun and shoots Crowley with a bullet that has a devil's trap marked on it, which renders him powerless. He can't leave his body. He can't use any of his demon magic. He's just like stuck on the couch, not doing anything for a little while. Yeah. Pro move on her part. Yeah. Good. Like I'll really enjoy it when demons are like, Oh yeah, 
humans use this on me so I can use this on other demons. Dope, 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 dope. I love this. This is great. <laughs> um, and then we just cut over to Gadriel talking to Castiel again. They're, they're meeting up a second time and he's like, hey, Castiel, I did not stage that attack. Like, I came on my own. Um, he's like, he's like, uh, he's like Jamie Lannister. He's a shitty dude who's really obsessed with honor, you know? Yeah, I, um, I'm okay with Gadriel at this point. Like, obviously he's, yeah, he's, he's doing the dirt. He like, just seems really stupid. He seems really dumb. Yeah. It's like, and it's hard to imagine. I mean, sometimes Castiel comes off as being stupid because like everything that's happening somehow seems so simple, but they're not able to like figure it out. And I get it's because they're fighting against forces that are just more powerful than they are. But Gadriel, especially here, just comes off as as being dumb. Uh, naive. Like they're arguing, right? like like this and, is- and na- yeah. I don't know. It's just like he doesn't. He seems so non threatening, so unintelligent, so naive. Like he just has no fucking clue what's going on, and he seems like just totally out of his element. Because there's you know there's nine seasons of history of all these characters doing things, and then there's just this Gadriel character who I didn't set up that ambush. I I don't know why. Metatron would betray me like that or whatever. And and that, and that's what Castiel gloms onto. Castiel says like I know you're a man of or an angel of honor and doesn't what Metatron did which is use a meeting place like a like a like a peaceful meeting that you and I had arranged to try to assassinate me prove my point that he's just a bloodthirsty uh leader like he's not he's not the good guy that you think he is. You should you must believe that there's honor and you should use that honor to slyly give me reports about what Metatron is doing when he doesn't know. And, and, and even Gadriel at this point is like, isn't that not honorable? And Castiel's like, look, man, yeah. that's all I got, okay? Like, you need to help me out. <laughs> yeah. You're a fucking idiot. Just do what I tell you yeah. to do, please. Just do what I tell you. You got, you clearly, you, you, you're a dumb, dumb baby boy brain. I don't know how you survived inside of Sam Winchester for that long because that's a lot of, that's a lot of hunk to get lost in. And it seems like you could have easily got lost. Um, Autumn and I yeah, just, uh, just just finished watching all of um, Hannibal on NBC. Um, I don't know why I plugged NBC there. Shoutouts to the National Broadcasting <laughs> Company. <laughs> I know they need the I know they need the Twitter followers or whatever. Um, but we had a running joke about uh, Jack Crawford, who isn't necessarily like a like a dumbass in the series, but it really feels like Jack Crawford, who's the head of the behavioral department at the at the FBI, just believes whatever the last person told him to be it is true. So like, <laughs> you know, like Will Graham will be like, Hannibal's a killer, and then Jack Crawford's like, You're right, he's a killer. And Hannibal would be like, actually Will is insane. He's like, Oh my God, what are we gonna be do what are we gonna do about Will being insane? <laughs> <laughs> like it's and that feels like what Gadriel is to me. Like whatever you tell him last, he'll just do right like that's that's just what he does right Right. um so yeah he's just like okay castiel whatever you say sir flanders of angels jesus christ i mean metatron said that you were bad but you said metatron was bad so i guess that you're telling the truth um so all right the boys roll up on the hotel that um crowley and abaddon are hanging out at should we um, mention man, that this I, is the I, Humboldt Hotel? Like they show it twice in the episode, which makes me think it's a famous hotel in Cincinnati for some reason. Like I don't, I don't know why maybe. they're going out of their way to tell us what the hotel is, All but right. it, yeah, interesting. Um, I do, I feel like I'm making fun of this episode a lot, but I liked it. Um, yeah, they they there's one thing I really don't like about this episode. And I'll tell you in a minute. Um, they roll up on this hotel. Um, Dean tells Sam, saying like, "Hey, you should check out the basement for demons because I think that's a good idea." Um. 
just in case. I heard there was some sulfur down there. I know you love just rolling around in that shit. So get on down there, Sammy. We don't have anything important for you to do in the plot, so I just want you to leave, because <laughs> that's what Supernatural does to Sam Winchester and asks him to leave or be unconscious. He um, even says, like, then, Crowley told me that there was demon activity in the basement, and, and Sam's like, when? I didn't hear you guys talking yeah. about that. Yeah. Like, it's such an obvious, like, like it's an obvious lie, and Sam's like, okay, sure, whatever, I'll go check it out, I guess. And the, the big moment here is because Sam is carrying the, the first blade, in this like leather trapper keeper cover and, and Dean grabs it from Sam. It's like, you go check out the basement. Me and the blade are going to go upstairs. Yeah. Um, so, all right, Sam goes to sniff sulfur in the basement. Uh, Dean heads to the hotel room and now it's about to, uh, go off as they say. It is. Dean walks into the hotel room with Crowley and Abaddon sees that Crowley is wounded. Crowley quickly, like I gestures and, and before a demon attacks Dean and Dean is able to uh, kill this demon pretty quickly. And then Abaddon shows up, uh, shoves Dean against the wall with her like demon telekinesis. Um, and he's just kind of slapped there being held up. We switch over to Sam who is in the basement. There is nothing in the basement. <laughs> like there's literally nothing yeah. here. I feel yeah. so bad for Sam in this scene where he's like, I guess I'll just look around. I don't really know what to do right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, I mean, obviously I don't like that they do this to Sam pretty frequently, um, since season five, he hasn't really had a proper function to, to Supernatural, even in season eight when he was doing the God Trials, it sort of felt like, felt like he was secondary to everything that was happening. And I don't think that's ever going to change, um, by the way that things are going. Um, so this just like little moment, which works for the plot, and I, and I get why Dean does it, and it has a story implication, um, but that's sort of like sums up how the show feels about Sam is like, just send him to the basement to get knocked unconscious or something. Yeah. Um, and that's just, that's unfortunately the way that it is. The, the show has chosen Dean. It chose Dean a long time ago and we just have to live with that. So, um, back over to Abaddon who is going on her villain monologue saying that Dean is going to be tortured. He's going to die painfully and then he's going to go to hell and he's going to be in hell in 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 an eternal cycle of pain and torture. And then she says that Crowley's going to watch his son die the same way, and then Crowley will die the same way as well. Um, and Crowley is 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 like does a, a fairly good job of pretending to be shocked that she's betraying him, but obviously expected this the entire time. Um, yeah. The 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 kicker to this is that while Dean is against the wall, kind of being held up in that classic like a demon who's holding me against the wall pose, he starts to overcome this power. There's something with the knife that allows him to get past this telekinesis and he starts marching towards her and she's continually like shoving him back. The visual effects on this are almost like it's wind blowing him backwards. Mm -hmm. Uh, like there's things in the room are going all crazy and getting knocked over. And I, yeah, I, I thought it looked a little bit funny. Yeah. Like there's just like a lamp getting knocked over in the background. It didn't, it didn't have the exact effect, but I still like, I, I enjoy the idea of it. It's it's weird because we've never really seen the demon powers manifest this way. Like normally, normally this is straight up telekinesis. This is like Jean Grey uh, juggling something with her mind, right? Like you don't see 
you don't feel like she's not contr- right, she's yeah, not yeah, storm yeah. she's not controlling the power of the wind to do this <laughs> for sure dude. yeah yeah you yeah. definitely know all these x-men references right you're right there with me um it's pop culture chris get get with the fucking no, program I'm, I'm are kidding. you fuck, are you a demon you or are you a castiel that's the question you need to ask yourself right now wow um, damn am i am i a jump jump baby break castiel <laughs> Uh, th- that was, I thought it looked a little bit like kind of just weird that way, but they had to mm-hmm. show. And, and Dean's making this face like he's taking a poop. Yes. Uh. Yeah. He's like, he's very <laughs> constipated in this scene. Um, but they had to show that like, she's strengthening her power, right? Like she's using mm-hmm. more and more power to try to hold him back. And yeah. he- I think, I think he looks like he's taking a poop because the effect doesn't work. It's not the acting that doesn't work. It's that he's doing a specific thing, but like. The visual effects around him aren't like matching up to what he's doing exactly because yeah. it just looks like somebody turned on a, a high-powered fan, um, which isn't that intimidating. But yeah, he's, he slowly stalks towards Abaddon. He's 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 got trouble on his mind. And eventually, she's able to knock him back. And this time, when she knocks him back against the wall, the force is so hard that he drops the blade. And yeah. that that obviously disconnects whatever power that he was pulling from it, so he can't like overcome this power anymore. And she begins to do the classic Abaddon thing, which is like squeeze her hand into a fist and do something to Dean. Like every time there's something that happens, and like it sounds like they're squishing their insides, I'm like, well, he's never going to recover without a spleen. Yeah. Like his spleen <laughs> is he's obviously has a ton of internal bleeding. We should get that man to a doctor. It's never a big deal. Like it sounds way, it sounds it looks way worse than it ever is. Yeah, it always is. Um, and then he starts doing his Luke Skywalker shit. He yeah. starts force pulling that that blade to him. I think it's a little bit schlocky, but like at the same time, I get that's that's the power of the mark. That's the power of that murderous intent that's overpowering Dean, and it's about to overpower Abaddon too. That the 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 mark and its desire to have the blade is so powerful that it can magically pull it into Dean's hand. And as soon as that blade hits his hand, he's free and he's able to to move forward again. It's only schlocky because it's such a cliche at this point. Like, I feel like I've seen this exact scene ever since Star Wars, probably before Star Wars. Like, George Lucas wasn't exactly original when he was writing Star Wars. But, like, this thing where the hero tries to use his power that he's been trained to do and it's not quite there and it finally works and it frees him and it saves him at the last minute. Like, feels like such a cliche. I am totally okay with this being a power of the first blade in the mark. Like I, I like that a lot. I like it better than just Luke Skywalker, like knowing how to use the force all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. uh, so like he grabs it, he walks over, Sam barges in right as, uh, Dean stabs. Covered Abaddon. In sulfur. <laughs> he's just, he's just yellow from the knees up. He's just pure <laughs> yellow from the knees up, right? Like he's just fucking filled with sulfur. He's just brushing it off his, his denim. <laughs> But weirdly, his lower legs and, and feet are are clean. What ha- what were you doing, Sam? I don't understand. Sam, what what did you climb head first into? What what did he, you get he, into, Sam? Was he there climbed a vent? into something up to the knees and then realized, oh no, I can't fit the rest of the way in here. And then he had to twist and turn and struggle to get himself back out. But as long as those long long shins are fine and those that denim from the knee down is fine, I'm I'm okay with it. Um, Sam was was trying to sneak into a little a tunnel full of sulfur. He looked into it. He go, yeah, 
Yeah, I could fit in there. And then, yeah, he, he got out, he got pretty far in. Got about three quarters of the up. way through and was like, oh, I'm six and a half feet deep, so yeah. I need to, I need to no, back my way I, out. <laughs> no demons in here. Better go find my brother. <laughs> just eggs, everybody. It's just eggs. Don't just worry. Just eggs. <laughs> it's just, just bad egg. smell it's of right, eggs. It's right, right below the kitchen. Guys, it's below the kitchen. It's just... <laughs> Uh, Dean, it's just eggs, Dean. Dean, don't worry, Dean. It's Dean, just eggs. Basement. It's just eggs. Crowley told There's us there were demons, demons, but it's just breakfast. It's just bad Call breakfast. Crowley, tell him it's just eggs. Can you guys hear me, <laughs> Dean? Cass, is he here? <laughs> Where's Cass? Where's Cass? Cass, it's just eggs. You don't have to come down, guys. I'm in the hall. I'm climbing out now. I'm stuck. <laughs> All right. Uh, this so is yeah, actually, Sam kicks the door in. <laughs> Sam kicks the door in. Uh, brushes his shoulder off, just like Jay Z. Um, just in time to see Dean stab Abaddon and literally lift her into the air. And uh, this is an this is an appropriate out for a villain that I think has been as great as Abaddon. She's possibly my favorite demon at this point. Like. Yellow eyes was super cool, but Abaddon just has so much flair to her that I'm I'm really into it. Um, and she's obviously a knight of hell. She's a letter 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 grade above uh, Yellow Eyes, and so she we see her basically explode into light and literally start start to dissolve in front of them, and it's super cool looking. It is very cool. It's it's a it's a hell of a kill. And I was gonna say the only thing that I really didn't like about this episode is that Abaddon dies. <laughs> Absolutely, like that—that's the big disappointment. Like as 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 a as a thing by itself, it's a great scene. I am going to mourn the loss of Abaddon for the rest of this rest of this podcast. Yeah. She's so yeah. she was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, she Dean kind of drops her to the ground, and he's not quite done yet. Chris, we see this rage coming into his eyes, into his face, and he starts literally beating the shit out of her. Um, Sam is yelling, "Stop, Dean! Stop!" Not the first or the last time he said that, uh, but Dean Dean just barely can control himself. He finally comes back to himself, drops the blade, and there's a moment where you think that he's might be a little ash- maybe a little ashamed of what he has done. Yeah, there is, and this is like the closest we've really gotten to seeing that side of it because I I want to see the actual struggle of Dean versus the Mark of Cain. Um, rather than just seeing flashes of it and then him just like being mad at Sam or being mad at Cassiel, um, they don't show a Dean that is like conflicted or torn or, or losing a fight against a power greater than him. They just show a Dean having flashes of something and then being angry at people. Um, Chris, which I get, I mean, no, that's fine. Um, that's fine. Every time you say the word torn, we have to play Natalie and Bruglia like $7,000. Oh, damn. So damn. if you could please avoid that, <laughs> that was a new rule of this podcast. Okay. We started in season nine. So. <laughs> Um, so Dean's feeling a bit teared up about <laughs> just use the improper grammar to get by it. I'm not um, fine. I'm teared. <laughs> Nothing's I'm fine. Face. I'm teared. <laughs> Dean, it's just eggs. It's just. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? It's just eggs. All right. All right. All right. Um. So yeah, Dean. Dean is he's conflicted, and when he drops that blade, you can tell the weight of his actions. Because he, he, I don't think he feels bad about killing her at all, but I think he feels bad about his reaction after the fact of like, oh, holy shit, I just one hundred percent lost control 
I I couldn't do anything about what just happened there, and that, that's a bad feeling once it hits him. Yeah, and I think this is going to be this is the real start in in my mind of the Mark of Chain Mark of Chain. That's not a word. The Mark of Cain <laughs> and the the First Blade saga with Dean. Like this is obviously having a severe negative effect on him. This is the the first real example we get of that. Like we've been seeing hints of this all throughout all of the season nine. This to me, like once he kills Abaddon drops it to the floor and then continues to just pummel her with his fist. That's the sign like Dean's a little fucked up. And yeah, this thing that we've known was bad is confirmed as extremely bad. Um, from here, he eventually stops as we mentioned. And then we jumped, we jumped time a little bit uh, where Crowley to Crowley digging out this bullet in his uh, shoulder and basically saying like, you guys, you guys can't help with this. And Sam's like, you, you should be glad we didn't kill you. Like much less like help you dig this bullet out. And like, number one, why didn't they just kill Crowley at this point? Like, I don't like whatever loyalty they've ever had to him. I, I really don't get other than Crowley being a fantastic character. You don't want Crowley and Abaddon to go out the right, same episode, right. but like, this would be a great opportunity to kill Crowley, which is on their minds. I, I, I know they're BFFs with him, but yeah, Sam's not considering, <laughs> Like right, Sam considering like how the they acted, considering how they acted the last time that they saw him, um, they, it just it doesn't make sense for them to to Dean just not pick up the the thing and stab him in the back and have it have it be done with. To some extent, had they had different interactions with him throughout the seasons, you know, with more of the the devil you know kind of attitude, which they've used that line before. Like, okay, yeah, we'd rather have Crowley as the king of hell than have somebody else as the king of hell, right? Um, but. They they don't they haven't pre, they haven't reestablished that as like a thing so it doesn't make a ton of sense like I'm not like I'm mad I'm glad that they let Crowley live because I like him <laughs> but uh but yeah it, it doesn't make a ton of sense for them to not just just kill him I mean obviously as the audience we're like yeah no we like Crowley he's a good guy but like well yeah he? <laughs> and he and and you know he did what he said he was going to do which is I, find out where Abaddon is. Get her to a place where the Winchesters could confront her and allow the Winch allow Dean to kill her with the first blade. Like that's he mm-hmm. he actually like honored his side of the deal, which is kind of a classic Crowley move. But again, like they've never like they've always been like fuck fuck whatever like bullshit you know agreement we had in place. We're 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 gonna do whatever we want to anyway. So doesn't matter. Um, what Crowley does say is like, hey, what do you mean I'm not helping? Like, I, was the word Pekipski Pekipski. Pokipsy not enough for you and Sam mm-hmm. looks at Dean and Dean's like yeah dude I lied to you like he just gives the shrug of like yeah I lied again whatever what what the fuck ever and I'm like god damn it Dean like you were such a piece of shit to Sam in this season it is unreal <laughs> like this is just like a casual lie that you didn't necessarily have to do I just I can't man he's such a piece of shit to Sam in this season it's ridiculous yeah I just I'll just blame the the show being a piece of shit to Sam and not necessarily just Dean. Sure, yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a combo effort, right? Like he had to pull yeah, him in. Yeah, um, Dean, which is fine because the fans don't like him either, so they'll be they don't care how mean Dean is too. Uh, they have at some point found out about Gavin the Goober, so they have to. The, Dean is basically saying, "Hey, <clears throat> we we have to send him back in time." Uh, Crowley's like, "Hey, if he goes back in time and he gets on that ship, he's gonna die. I don't want him to do that." And Sam has this this line here where he's like, the lore all says the same thing. You can't change any one thing in the past. The ripple effects will, will cause destruction. And I'm like, I know you guys have like went back in time once on purpose. Like otherwise it's just been like Angel sending you guys either back mm-hmm. to the past or into the into the future. It's never been a spell that you guys did on purpose except for that one episode. 
What lore, Sam? Yeah. What, well, what, what lore? Maybe, maybe there's a reason that we we send Sam to to the basement. It's because he's always fucking talking about lore, and and everybody's like, "Shut up, Sam!" It, did he? We don't care about your eggs. Did he read about the novelization of Terminator Two and and, and was like, "Oh, wow, I can't I can't allow this to happen. Yeah, this is yeah, impossible. Yeah. How can the Terminator be the guy's about- father? That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't make any he sense." He has not shut up about that novelization since <laughs> since nineteen. It's so he's good. So yeah. <laughs> um, he's into eggs and novelizations of Terminator movies. That's the two things yep. that get Sam off at That's... this point. Uh, Crowley says, well, hey, okay, we'll send it back to the past. Uh, can I at least get a chance to say goodbye? And they're like, sure. Yeah, we, we trust you because you're the king of hell now. Uh, Crowley walks yeah. into the room with his, with his son. He TKs the door shut. And uh, Sam and Dean have this look like, oh, yeah. He's the king of hell, and he lies all the time. They immediately try to burst in, and when they do, they find them both gone. They need to start making agreements with Crowley at every every opportunity. Where like Crowley's like, "Hey, I'm going to go to the bathroom," and they're going to be like, "All right, let's make a deal that you you will come back as soon as you finish going to the bathroom, and you won't do anything weird in there." And because because he always honors his word, but if they don't make a deal with him, then he'll do whatever. They definitely need to start making sure that they need to have these agreements in place with 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 crowley um but unfortunately they don't so he teleports himself and gavin goober to a field where he lays out the gavin's future he's like if you get on that ship you're going to die um so you should just stay in the 21st century it's super easy uh you'll never see me and he has this weird joke about unless you start smoking in which case i'll find you or whatever and i'm like all right crowley dad like calm the fuck down um and he warns him like hey don't call yourself the prince of hell that that's probably going to get you in a bunch of trouble you don't need to do that uh and then he disappears and leaves gavin in this middle of this field in the 21st yeah, century if you tell people you're the prince of hell everyone will just think you're a tool <laughs> absolutely you don't you can't, your gamer tag cannot be prince of hell okay i don't care how much fortnite that you play you cannot be the prince of hell in fortnite no no um and yeah that's the that's that i guess hopefully something will come of it eventually yeah gavin the goober um, will probably show up again like anytime they need yeah, to go back knows? to crowley's bullshit and then back in the impala dean explains why he sent sam after the eggs and it's because he he didn't want sam you know walking in well once shit started because i mean this is this is this is pretty good justification from dean's point of view wow, i gotta really? admit you think so yeah i because oh. i think after what we just saw dean do dean lose control he i think he's still kind he's still what what he says and what he does, they don't really match up, but the show wants them to match up, and so that's what I'm going with here. Um, the show wants Dean to acknowledge, yeah, I'm about to be a wild animal in there, and I didn't want you involved, I don't want you there, because I don't want you seeing me lose my shit. Like, I can't be myself around you, and myself is um, beating the shit out of a lady's face, because I want her dead. And I don't want you there yelling at me and telling me to stop, like you did as soon as you bust in. Um, but I think that he should have said that to Sam. I think that he should have said, listen, Sam... I don't want you coming in there because I'm going to go into a frenzy. Um, and I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to try to stop me. This just needs to be done. Obviously, Sam would have said no to that. But um, the, be- the best line here is when he says this to Sam. He's like, I didn't want you in there, you know, watching my back like this. And Sam's like, you mean like we always do? Like, this is yeah, this is yeah. what we do. Like, we this is the reason that we have two hunters in the same car. Like, I we should be watching each other's backs for this. This is this is how we double operate. brother bluff, Dean. Ever heard of it? Ever heard of it, Green? Come on, what are you doing? <laughs> um, 
But yeah, Sam first is like, what, are you trying to like protect me? And like, that's clearly not the motivation here at all. If you're trying to protect me, you know that I was allergic to eggs, you goddamn asshole. Yeah, I'm literally covered in sulfur and I know you think that's my kink, but it actually turns out that I have allergies. All right, <laughs> Dean, I haven't stopped sneezing since we got in the Impala. <laughs> um, and then Dean starts talking about the, the first blade. And how it made him feel. He says from the moment that he picked it up, um, he knew that he wouldn't be able to be stopped. Like it wasn't, it even says it wasn't a hero thing. It was just calm. And he knew that calm led him to know that he had to do this alone. And of course, Sam is, is like, please like what? Like this is, this is what you always do. This is just another example of you trying to protect me without even consulting me or my feelings in this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and Dean says, no, like I didn't, I knew that if you went in there that, and this is the part of this, of this justification that I like, I knew that Abaddon could potentially capture you and use you as a bargaining chip and get away. Cause I knew for a fact that I would let, I would do anything to make you survive. So I didn't even want you in the room. That is what works for this for me. The rest of it just seems like total Dean Winchester bullshit to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how much is supposed to be bullshit and how much the show wants us to take as genuine dean feeling it's it's hard to tell at this point because so much of what the show wants to tell us is genuine is just bullshit um and so it's hard to tell if they're doing it on purpose like if dean's just like giving us bullshit and that's how he's supposed to be then that's good that's they're writing the character the right way the way that you know he 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 is coming off but if they're trying to justify his actions then i don't know um but I'm, i'm gonna give the show the benefit of the doubt and say that they they know that he's he's given us bullshit. They know that he's bullshitting. And we know this because Sam's response to this, you know, it gave me calm is to say, look, I, I'm glad all of this worked out. We got we got Abaddon. She's dead. This was the goal. We did it. And I'm glad this gives you a sense of peace or whatever. But I am extremely worried that this cosmic artifact is is doing something to you. I, I think that we should take this blade and we should store it someplace safe away from you we should we should get it away from you and the camera cuts over to dean's face and he just says no and the episode ends end of episode now that's heavy that That i that i'm into that is it i I, I like dean just being like nah man not gonna do it i'm sorry like i i don't even want to discuss it with you like this is classic dean winchester behavior too of no i'm gonna do it like you can't you can't tell me what to do and i'm just going to do what i think is right Mm mm-hmm uh, I can tell you what to do high and low, but you can't tell me what to do. Yeah. And, um, Go get me some more eggs, squirrel, or whatever right, crap right. they calls you. It's moose. <laughs> Dean is squirrel. Dean is right. squirrel. That's um, but yeah, that that just goes to show because Dean or Sam isn't saying like, I'm going to hide it from you. It's just saying, we'll put it somewhere that is a, a long distance away from us so that you won't be tempted to go and like grab it right away. Um, but yeah, Dean's just not, not even, not even fucking around. But what is he going to use it for? He, already, he just let his best friend Crowley live. So, like, what's his what's his deal? Yeah, the, the the whole reason that they got the first blade was to kill Abaddon. That's the only thing that could kill a knight of hell. And they did that. So, Dean just gets going with a simple no and not even doing a justification of, oh, I think we should do this in case another knight of hell shows up or in case I have to do this or that or the other. Like, I, I feel like just the simple no is like, oh, shit. Like, Dean is... Yeah. Is, yeah. Dean is, is, is succumbing to this power. There's a part of Dean that is very afraid of this and there's a part of dean that very very much likes this like this is this is spooky shit absolutely and i think it's gonna uh hopefully come to a head in a big way in the next two episodes yeah yeah we we don't have very many episodes left chris this is a pretty uh broad episode like we we learned Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff 
Castiel recruited Gadriel as a spy, potentially. We learn that there's a portal to heaven uh, that's being bounced around the world wherever Metatron, you know, can, wherever Metatron wants it. Uh, we killed Abaddon. We, we met, mm-hmm. we finally in person met Gavin the Goober. We finally got to know uh-huh. him a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, Crowley insists that he's not, you know, drinking human blood and he doesn't have that addiction anymore, but he clearly does. It's this is a this is a hefty episode to be two episodes for the finale. Like I feel like Definitely. Supernatural usually like keeps it light into the last two, but no man, we're it's going to be a I trilogy of episodes. <laughs> yeah, they had they have a lot of ground to cover. Um, so I think they needed that extra episode because they wait they fully wasted one on Bloodlines, and there's been a lot of kind of back and forth treading water in the early season with the boys just like being mad at each other about Gadriel and stuff, and um. Yeah, so now they now they need to get the plot to where where it's supposed to be for for the last two episodes, um, and hopefully this did it. Uh, I think I've been really kind of harsh on this episode as we've been going through it, but I did really enjoy it. Um, it's just you know the some of the flaws become uh, more obvious the further we go into this season, uh, and that's you know that happens sometimes. Some seasons just really really come together very well at the end, and some I feel like they they flounder a little bit as we go. Um, this is I'm I'm kind of in the middle on season nine right now. I like it better than some seasons, but but I'm not totally on board with everything that's happening. Yeah, it's um I'm I'm here for the things that are happening in general. Like the Metatron line, I'm not I'm not super into like the and it's mostly because of Metatron the character. Like I for I think the actor is doing a fine job with what he's been given. Uh, some of the like sneering winky face stuff, I just I just can't really get into. It's a, it's just a little too much for me. But I'm I'm willing to give these last two episodes a shot and see how this plays out over the end of season nine. I am extremely yeah. here for uh, Dark Dean, right? Like Dean mm-hmm. going dark mm-hmm. side, and and they do. We didn't. I don't think we necessarily called it out, but like during the scene where Dean remembers him using the first blade for the first time, uh, it's very rem- reminiscent of like Sam getting all hyped up on Demon Blood. Like I feel like they do. Like you, you, I think you can hear a heartbeat in both scenes. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you there's a lot yeah. of parallels drawn between those two, and I am extremely here for that. Like Dean having to deal with this is is very good to me. Yeah, and it's interesting to see the way that they're being characterized differently. Sam was very tormented by his powers, but also being self righteous about them. Um, and and Dean is just I don't know how would you describe Dean? He's just I don't want to say self-righteous, but he's just like, nope, we're doing this. This is it. This is Dean. This is power. This is good. Um, Because they haven't given us too much um, of of the resistance yet. They haven't shown us Dean trying to fight off against it too much. He's just sort of, like, embracing it. Yeah, it's... I, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Like, I, I like all of the stuff they're doing with Dean. Yeah, I could... Yeah. I am ready for Gadriel to die. I don't know if he dies in the next two episodes. I'm re- ready to never deal with Gadriel ever again. So, yeah, I'm hoping that we can kind of wipe the slate clean a little bit going forward because um, things things have just I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll be ready for some for some new kind of uh, interactions and scenarios for the boys, and not just Angel Wars and and Demon Wars. And um, obviously, I do really like the Mark Kane stuff. I think it's really interesting, and even as I'm saying. The way that they they show Dean, I think that 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 fits to to some extent. But I'm ready to see where this is going to go and, and what we can move on to from here. Me too. Um, if you have opinions about season nine and you'd like to share them with us, please go to page monsteroftheweek.cool slash contact and send us your thoughts and feelings. Uh, we'll read those on our feedback episode that we traditionally do after we cover the finale. We bring on a guest for that. We play fun games like Hunt Mary Fuck and. Um, 
people send us fanfic for some reason. I don't know why that, that, that became a thing, but it has been. Um, so if you would like to get involved with that, Patreon, ah, did it again, monsteroftheweek.cool slash contact. Thank you to everybody that's listening. Thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash monsteroftheweek. Uh, thank you to everybody that's been sending us tweets and comments and reviews. All of that stuff is super appreciated. Uh, if you want to talk to the podcast, uh, it is at MOTWcast. I am at JG Greer. Chris, you are at Local Bones. You can find links to all of that and more, including our thrice weekly podcast where we review every single emoji in order, Thinking Face. Uh, go check that out on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher now. Yes. But yes. you can find links to all of that stuff at monsterweek.cool. We'll be back next week with an episode that is teased with saying Tessa the Reaper returns. Oh. And until then, everybody, remember. It's just eggs. It's just (laughs) eggs. Okay. All right. Here we go. Saving it. All right. I am. All right. I'm going to piss my frickin' pants, but I'm going to say this. What? Good morning. Couple Dugs in the cut. I'm no longer Doug. You need to refer to oh. me by my full title. Albertus Magnus, penis expert. Thank is that you. what it says? It does. I don't even know what mine is. Doug in the North, Wistful K. Ah, oh, yeah. Good Doug. It's the Doug in the North. Yeah. So Doug, as at, we didn't even realize until now, Doug was never a name. It was a title. Um, yes. It was a title that was bestowed upon you that I, other Doug, usurped from you. Yes. You were the, you were the usurper Doug. I was the original. The, the, um, what's the... First of his name? Yes. Yeah, I was trying to think of like, <laughs> I, I'm the, I'm the rightful Doug. You're the usurper yeah, the to the Doug, Doug. throne. <laughs> oh, I don't even remember. I was recording while we were calling each other Doug. What was what did what was that joke? Because someone wrote into that's um, right. That's don't right. give up yeah, skeleton. Yeah, yeah. Which I I still think that was somehow an incorrect or an autocorrect abbreviation of G D G U S. And like the person typed out like Hey D G U S. Like Hey, don't give up skeleton. Mm-hmm. Um, but it autocorrected on their phone to Doug and they didn't notice and then it got sent to you. That's honestly what I think happened. <laughs> so I wrote I wrote that dude back and I think I think he was on the podcast actually. I think he, I think I may have actually recorded it with that dude. I don't know if it's out yet or not because I can't remember exactly who did it. <laughs> you but, wanted to give him an opportunity to explain himself. <laughs> but I did I did write him back and was like, Hey, like number one, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and he wrote back. He's like, he's like, I'm so sorry. I have no idea what I was trying to write. I don't know where Doug came from. So yeah, that would be my guess as well. And just like autocorrect took over. But I, who, who the fuck yeah. knows? Um. So what do you want to record? Do you want to do Thinking Face or do you want to do Monster of the Week? Originally, I was going to say both, but Jess is now staying until tonight, so she's still here. Um, oh well, let's do. So let, let's knock out like her. some. Let's knock out some thinking face then, because uh, that'll take less do time. We, do we not have a uh, thinking face for this week? We do not, no. Oh, well, it's a holiday today, so we're off the hook, I feel like. Yeah, sure. Let me, um... Yeah. <laughs> let me close out. <laughs> or slice this. that shit up real quick and release it. That's what I'm going to do, yeah. Like, once we... I figure we'll do, like, six or twelve episodes, however long you really feel like going for, and then, um... Hell fucking yeah. All right. You know, I've been in this room for, I don't know, five minutes? 
my uh my elbows are very sweaty the my inner elbow not not the outer elbow that that part's fine because you know it's summer in massachusetts so it's just um like 150 percent humidity you'd i would i feel like louisiana's got to be worse humidity wise right Mm -hmm. we're i mean it's it's just so muggy here all of the time like it's ridiculous but it keeps your skin real nice oh for sure yeah, I go, actually, it's great, because in the winter, my skin gets so uh, cracked and dry that I bleed, um, and I, well, this, you know, I've been moisturizing this winter, and it's been working out for me, <laughs> uh, but now, your- yeah, now it's summer, and I'm just damp all the time. You want to uh, roll me through your skincare technique, or keep that well, in secret? Um, no, it's not really a secret, I just use, I, you know, I used to use a lot of that scented lotion. Mm-hmm. We hit up, um, we had hit up Bed Bath & Beyond, or, or Bath sure. & Body Works, whatever, one of those. Um, they were having a, a, a buy a buy one get two free sale on their lotion, so we're like, all right, we'll be smelling like lavender. We'll be smelling like uh, hibiscus mint or something. I don't know. Um, we loaded up on that shit, but I found that it, more than anything, it actually just irritated my skin when it was when it was already really dry. So I had to just you know go for that kind of like Vaseline brand, um, like get a full tub of it to sit next to my bed, so everyone gets the wrong idea if they see it. Um, I go, you know, for the the real shit, and then I just I, I don't after I shower, do, do, would people assume that it's for your legs, I, not your face? People, I don't, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't we're get it. we're on our way there. People might assume that I'm lathering up my butt, but that part of me is not that dry. Okay. Um, so, Chris, you got a wet ass, is what I'm hearing. I got a, I got a, I got a. It, wet's the wrong word. Damp is the appropriate word. Um, That's worse. I get it. Why is that worse? Yeah, <laughs> That's way, way worse. worse. <laughs> it's way worse. Um, I get out of the shower. I make sure that I'm nice and dry. Because you don't, you don't. There's no more moisture from the water. Because that's only going to dry your skin out anyway. Nice mm-hmm. and dry, and then it's lather time, and you got to lather up all the parts of you that get dry. My forehead gets a little dry, so I got to put a little bit of there, which I'm pretty sure I'm not supposed to put that on my face, but I do anyway. You know, I got a lot of wrinkles for a young man. <laughs> I try to stay as fresh as I can. But that's really the whole routine. It's just, it's just lathering up. You know, is the word lather is that appropriate, or how do you feel about that? No, I'm fine with lather. Yeah. Lather's uh, good. Okay. Autumn's got a whole routine that she does, obviously because you know she's a woman and she likes to take care of herself. Um, but I've never, I've, and, it's, and this has always been like a joke. Like I, I've never had to do anything to my face or or body. Like I just, I just look like this, and I don't know why. Like it's not, it's not deserving at all. Like I just look way too young for myself. You do. You look remarkably young. Yeah, no, it's getting ridiculous now that I'm about to hit forty. Like I look at pictures of Honestly, myself and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> if people, I mean, people might like who listen to our podcast might not have like a great idea of what we look like. With maybe they've seen pictures if they've seen like our profile picture on Twitter, so they have a general idea. Give it five more years, and if they just know that there's an age difference, people will automatically assume. <laughs> That the, you or me, because they know Jeremy's the older one, so they're going to look at Chris and they're going to say that's Jeremy because he's older. By the time like, we finish the supernatural coverage, right, that'll be twenty twenty one. People will definitely mm-hmm. be getting us. Like if we're ever in the same room at the same time meeting people, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, you're obviously Jeremy, right?" Yeah, especially if I lose my hair, because then I'll, I feel like I'll look a hundred years older if I'm bald. If I don't have a stupid like high school boy haircut, then I'm going to look like a lot older. Does baldness run in your family? Oh, you bet it does. <laughs> <laughs> I was, um, it runs in my family. My uncle was, was extremely bald, uh, like very quickly, uh, like not long into his thirties. Um, my, my best friend actually started going bald when he was like 23 or 24. That poor guy. Ooh. Um, rough. Uh, <laughs> 
not but, not friends anymore. Yeah. I used past tense. <laughs> Haven't talked to him since he was about twenty three or twenty four. No, no, no. <laughs> um, actually, no. He's my um, uh, he's my eye doctor. So anyway. Uh, oh, okay. Um, but my dad has has still has hair. He's fifty. He's 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 closing in on sixty. I think. Yeah, yeah. Because he had me Damn. when he was twenty one. So he's wow. got to be getting close to sixty, and his his hair is thinning now. But like he's he's how oh, he's always had a pretty good hair. So I, I've been pretty lucky, and of course I don't have kids. So um, I, you know, right. that's like whatever whatever that's happening. Uh, you know, that's like that, that line isn't going anywhere. My dad has been bald since his thirties. There's a picture of him that like came up recently, and he's holding me. And I think I think he was thirty one or two when he had me because I'm the youngest, so he had my they had my sisters first. Uh, so he was early 30s, and he still had hair on his head. It was thin, but it was like, you know, it wasn't like balding. It was just thinner hair. Um, that, yeah, and I, as far as I can remember, he's always been bald. So that must have been like his 40s. He went bald, which isn't that bad. If I make it to my 40s with hair, I'll be happy. Um, but his brothers were both bald. His father had a thick old head of hair. Um, but on my mom's side, which is where they say it comes from, I don't know if that's true at all. Uh, her father was bald in his 20s. Interesting. And my mother's mother, the grandma that I live with, uh, she went fully white in her twenties. Whoa! So that I can like sort of see that happening. Did she, did she run into Randall and, Flag? What happened? I think that she ran. She took. She went through the trial of grasses, and she came out on the other did, end. Did uh, she try to absorb Magneto's powers and get a strike? Yeah. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> they call her the White Wolf now. <laughs> white Wolf Mosher. Uh, That's actually really good. That's fun. <laughs> Um, but that's what's happening to me. My hair is going gray very, very fast. Every day I find, like, just when we were on our way back, back from vacation, I noticed the underside of, like, my chin is now going very white on my beard. Um, which is, you know, a year ago, my, my beard was closer to black, and now it's, like, a blonde and white in it. It's just, it's happening fast. I mean, I'd, I don't mind looking like that for now. I mean, ten years when I actually look like Santa Claus, that might bother me a little bit but for now i'm just i'm I'm just happy to have hair at all for whatever reason guys have it super lucky in that uh you know when as we get older we i don't and i don't know if this is like an actual i think this is just a perception but like people perceive guys to be more distinguished right like so like you can mm-hmm. you can have like gray hair and that looks distinguished on a dude whereas it doesn't on a chick for whatever reason although it does like there's right. some stone cold foxes with gray hair out there your grandmother yeah whatever reason your grandmother whenever i see Right, right, right. Of course. Whenever I see a woman in like her forties or fifties, like growing up or whatever, who just has like full of white hair, I've always just thought like that's fucking sick. Because no one, like, I don't. My mom says she's not going gray. Like she's never gotten a gray hair. I'm like, first of all, you're in your fifties. Second of all, you dye your hair like every month. How would you even know? <laughs> yeah. Also that. Also that. Um. Yeah. But I don't even like. I I don't know that I could tell you. Autumn's been dyeing her hair so long. I don't know. Pretty sure she's a brunette. <laughs> it's, just, it's been a long time. Yeah, uh, which is like, there's no like, I'm not throwing shade at Autumn, of course, because she can do whatever the fuck she wants to do with her hair, and it looks great. So, <clears throat> uh, it's we, 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 I say, Jess had like jet black hair when we started dating, and now she's very blonde. So it's a, uh, it's like honestly, it's like having a new girlfriend. Thanks, Jess. <laughs> Jesus Christ! We were uh, we were talking the other day. Somebody on um, one of Autumn's uh, friends on Facebook is this uh, gay black dude, which I only mentioned because it's important to the story. Uh, 
But he he made a post on Facebook of like, hey, you guys out there saying like you just don't date black men is extremely racist and horrible and you shouldn't do that. And like the replies were, well, I don't like blondes and and stuff like that. And and Autumn was like, I mean, like if you actually met somebody and you like them and then they had like blonde hair, you'd be like, no, sorry, right. <laughs> I don't do yeah, this. Sorry. Like it's fucking ridiculous. Like none of those. Your like, hair's a little bit too light. Not for me. Yeah, all of that type shit goes out the window when somebody makes you laugh and makes you comfortable. Like what the fuck right. are you talking about? It's her knees, man. It's her knees. Do what? That's a reference to something that I don't even remember. Okay, cool. (laughs) You want to do some emoji podcast? Let's do some emoji podcast. A reading from Supernatural Heart of the Dragon. Standing behind the creature, John swung the sword so the hook caught the ronin as if it was a crane gigging a poor performer off of a... Vaudeville stage. Wow, we're off to a great start. But he couldn't manage to get a grip. The spirit didn't even notice. Yanking the sword back, John took another swing, this time at the spirit's neck. The demon whirled around. Is it a demon or is it a spirit? The demon whirled around, swinging his flaming sword. John was barely able to duck as the flames singed his hair. He only burns his intended target, John realized. He can fry me as easily as he fried his other victims. Hello, Jeremy. I'm in the middle of a reading. Oh, I'm sorry. But after that one brief attack, the Ronin turned to focus again on his prey. However, John's distractions seemed to have shaken the maitre d' out of his reverie and caused him to move his ass with a sudden cry. This is so bad. Uh, He bolted between the front door as fast as his feet could carry him. Are you done? John moved swiftly to place himself between Doragon Kokoro and the exit. You ain't getting past me, he said, holding the sword in a ready position. I don't want to read any more of this. This isn't even funny. Jeremy, come back. Jeremy. Jeremy, come back. Jeremy. Hello. Hey. (laughs) It wasn't even funny. But John Winchester was fighting a demon. And both of them had swords. So, do you think the demons are the kind of dudes that would use swords? Demons seem more. No, this one's the is. Or I'm sorry, this they called it both the spirit and a demon uh, on the same page. So I'm not actually sure what it was, but it was a Ronin, which is this you know a stray uh, wandering samurai without a master. So John Winchester's got his work cut out for. Did him. you say Roni or Ronin? Ronin, Ronin. I really thought you said Roni right there. And I thought that was like a, like I, a really cute I way to refer to a Ronin. No. <laughs> yeah, um, that's Heart of the Dragon, a supernatural novel. What's up? <laughs> Not much, my dude. How, how are you? Chilling, you know, it's raining. Everything sucks because we're back to work, bro. Yep. You know how it is. Three-day weekend only makes that four-day work week that much harder. You just got to yep. cram all that shit in. Is it even worth taking the time off if you have to come back and deal with all of the time that you were gone? Yeah, yeah, probably. Is it hot <laughs> enough out there for you, Chris? It's like 50 degrees today, so we do all right. Did you see the game this weekend? Uh, I'm just sitting you with all that water cooler talk, man. I'm just I trying to get Bruins, our water cooler talk. The Bruins done. are in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was on last night. I didn't watch it, but I did check the score on Twitter periodically. What about that traffic? Traffic today sucked. Um, not a big fan of traffic, but you know how it is when it rains. People be tripping. 
can you believe we're on the last season of Elementary that they're going to do away with the American version of Sherlock? Is that Lucy Liu? Is she on that show? Yeah, I think that's her. Does she play Watson or she play Sherlock? She, no, she plays. She plays Watson, but she's yeah. also like like in that show the two episodes that I've seen of Elementary. Like she's smarter <laughs> than the Sherlock character, right? Like she's yeah, she's the right. she's she's well, the Sherlock just gets one. high and then I think he sees the future. I think that's what those books are about, right? Absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah, just ask Metatron; he'll put it in your brain. Yeah, just give me all of the pop culture knowledge, Metatron. Yeah. Yo, hey, uh, Benetron, how about you put all the pop culture knowledge into my brain and then give me a gun so I can put a bullet there, too? <laughs> Just chase it with the bullet. Once you touch me on the forehead, I need you to touch me on the temple with the, yeah, with the Colt 45. Please, fucking Metatron. Jesus Christ. Thanks. Now I get all your Star Wars jokes and I want to die. Stab me with the first blade and call me baby. That's what I-, I was happy, and now apparently I hate The Last Jedi? I didn't know I felt that way. Thanks, Metatron. Finally. Finally, somebody is here to talk about how bad The Last Jedi is. Do you want to get it off the chest? You want to? <laughs> I think I like that movie. I like that. Uh, you know, I've 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 watched that it's movie okay. a couple it's of fine. times. It's fine. It's totally okay. Yeah. It's 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 just a it's just a good Star Wars movie. Like it's a, it's yeah. actually, it's a competent yeah. Star Wars movie, which is yeah. more than you can say I, about like most of those films. I think most you it's more than you can say about most Star Wars movies. <laughs> I've uh, um, we went to a new ramen place on Saturday, and uh, I got there early, and um, Autumn was bringing her dad, and as I sat down at the bar, ordered a beer, and uh, was kind of scoping the place out. We've never been there before, so you never know. Like we we like to sit at the bar when we go to restaurants. We like to hang out, chill. We don't want to take up a table because we know we're going to be there for a while. That that kind of situation. Scoping the place out, it looks legit. It looks legit. Looks very cool. Uh, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones is on TBS mm-hmm. <laughs> above mm-hmm. above the bar. They've got motion one smoothing. One of the worst movies ever made. Yeah. One uh-huh. of the worst movies ever made. Um, they have motion smoothing enabled on this TV. So, oh no! So every time there's an up close, and there's a lot of these apparently. Every time there's like an up close in face shot of Yoda or Jar Jar or any of the CGI characters, it looks like. Uh, someone it looks like a fan edit of a mass effect film somehow you know what i'm saying like it looks like worse than rex does in mass effect 2 Uh, and then i i I had very little memory of attack of the clones 2 number one anakin has this weird braid do you remember this yeah yeah, Obi Wan has that. Okay, first of all, okay, yeah, if you're gonna start the, tripping over braids. Wait, wait, this is this is a thing that I learned braid. today. This is a thing that I learned today. Yes. How long have you known about Star Wars and not known about Padawan braids? I, I dude, I, I have like literally until like today, today long ago is how long because because our good friend Jesse over at the Salt Report podcast, I was DMing with them and they told me. Oh yeah, like this is a Padawan braid. Everybody has it, and then hit me with that picture of Obi Wan with the Padawan yeah, braid, and I. I hate it. I hate me. Me and Autumn were making so much fun of Anakin Skywalker with his little shitty braid coming off of his hair. I mean, Obi Wan looks good with it though. Obi Wan's cool. Does he? It was on all the action figures. Does he? I got this. I got this lightsaber kit. Are you sure? Uh, and it came. It came with the underwater breathing mask that they use in the first movie when they go to the Gungan city. I remember. It came with a green lightsaber. It came with Qui Gon's lightsaber. So this part doesn't really match up because it came with Qui Gon's lightsaber. And it came with Obi Wan's braid, and you hooked it around your ear, and you wore it in, in your hair. Which, of course, wow. when I was eight years old or seven years old, I wore that. I wore that when I played with my friends because we were Jedi, 
And that's just what, I mean, I, I, I wasn't a Jedi Knight yet. I was still an apprentice. I was still a Padawan, so I had to wear that. Um, this, this, it was a thing. It, it is known. It is known, Khaleesi. It is known. I, so I, I sent this to Autumn because Autumn and I just ragged on Anakin so hard at the bar. Like we, me and her were like, oh my God, did he, did he just get turned on to Rasta music? Like, did he listen to a Bob Marley album? What's happening here? Why does he have this braid? And then of course, Jesse tells me that, you know, Hey, all of them have this. And he, she sent me the picture. And so I texted Autumn and I sent a picture of, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi with this little braid coming off. And she said, did they go to Jedi school at Sandals? And then sent me a picture of Michael Scott from the TV show, The Office, when he comes back from Sandals <laughs> with a little braid in his hair. And I was like, he's a Padawan. Michael Scott is a Padawan. It's perfect. And it's perfect. So obviously you don't spend a lot of time on, on the prequel. See, I, I, obviously. I don't. Obviously. I even hated Attack of the Clones or whatever when it, when it came out. And I was pretty young. But I was in third grade when Phantom Menace came out. So Jesus all that Christ, like, garbage, like political mumbo jumbo went way over my head. All the, the Trade Federation crap, I blocked it out because I had a DVD player by then. I had a PS2 so I could fast forward through the shitty parts. And I watched the Phantom Menace thousands of times. It was my favorite movie. Duel of the Fates, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Darth Maul. It's the coolest shit an eight-year-old can see with their own two eyes. And I saw it a lot. So I was, in, I was in prime time with that first movie. Second movie, even in middle school, I was like, this sucks. And then the third one came out. And it was just such a pleasant surprise that it wasn't hot trash. It was just like room temperature trash. So I loved it. I adored it. I had a great time with those movies. Watching them now, I, don't, I can't even live with myself. But I really, really got to experience the full force of Star Wars. No More pun than intended. once. Because, no pun intended. When I was in kindergarten, I was just five years old. Is when they did the re, re you were special me. editions, whatever they're called, you're the special editions me. of yeah. Sorry, bud. Uh, Nineteen ninety-five. Uh, they did the special editions on VHS for the original trilogy, and for a week each, I think they put them back in theaters. So I got to go see the original Star Wars movies in theaters when I was just a little wee baby, and I got all the X-wing toys and all that shit. I was living large, dude. Let me tell you, I was living large. So I have a I have a couple of comments on this. Um, when Phantom Menace came out, I was 17, 18 years old. I was uh, working at the mall. I was like third key at Babbage's, like the assistant to the assistant manager, essentially. Um, I don't know what it is with all the office jokes today. But um, all of the mall crew, like these were all of all of the employees that would like close down the mall with me at night, right? Like this is my Hot Topic mm-hmm. bros. These are my people from oh, yeah. Chick-fil-A. These, this is th- that girl from Victoria's Secret who was like surprisingly super cool and not weird. Um, everybody, like we all got together and we're like, we're going to go see the midnight showing of the Phantom Menace. And I was like, word, Damn, let's, dog. let's do it. Let's, let's rock it out. So we all uh-huh. got together after every, everybody had a closing shift. We all got together. I think we were drinking in the parking lot a little bit, but not like a lot because we were only like 18. Like we weren't drinking a whole lot. Right. Right. I am pretty sure I like nodded off in the beginning of that movie. It was, <laughs> it was miserable. Like the pod racing scene. Dope. Dude, the pod racing scene is like 95 minutes long. I swear to fucking God, it's the it's, longest. It's, it's, the pod it's, racing it's the scene is the, the longest movie. movie I've ever seen. It's, it's the yeah. best part of the movie. Uh, Duel of the Fates, super cool. Darth Maul, super cool. The rest of that movie is fucking garbage. When Attack of the Clones 2 came out, I did not fucking care. I was off Star Wars. Like, that was a few years later. Like, I am way too cool for this shit. Didn't even bother to see Episode 2 or Episode 3 until years later. I, um, uh... 
I was the same way with two. Now that even though I was only like twelve, I was like, yeah, sorry, uh, I'm into fucking. Cool. Uh, I'm into Kingdom I'm into Hearts now, motherfucker. Now. <laughs> yeah, I'm into Kingdom Hearts now, motherfucker. I don't get time for this for this Star Wars shit. And then my uh, my friend's mom got us tickets because she used to take us to the movies all the time when we were kids. Um, and I went and I saw it. And then there's like the the Yoda Darth Sidious fight at the end of it. And to a twelve year old, that's fucking sick. But it's terrible in in hindsight. Um, all I remember from that movie literally was that part. I re- I've seen it since. I've seen it again since. But I only remembered that part, and I remembered playing in the woods behind my old house, like as a Jedi again when I was twelve. And I was like, "Oh wow, Star Wars is sick!" And pretending to have a sword or a lightsaber again is sick. Um, and that lasted for like one day, and that and then it was over again. <laughs> <laughs> I um also because I worked at a video game store, we got a bunch of um uh like Star Wars merchandise and everybody not just people that worked at the game store but all of my like friends and family were like oh this is going to be the shit like you need to you need to hold back one of everything to make sure that you get that this is going to be collectors items right oh, yeah. like these, oh, these yeah. inbox Star Wars tours of of characters that you have no reverence for like this guy just just a, he just has giant ears as an alien thing. Nobody knew who Jar Jar was. Like they released that that figure way before the movie came out. Right. Um, so everybody wanted to like snap that stuff up. I did. I had a huge collection of weird Star Wars merchandise, thinking that I'd be able to hawk that shit off somewhere. And then <laughs> when my mom divorced my stepdad, he stole it all from me. So thanks. No. <laughs> if no. you're shout outs to shout outs to my step my ex one of my ex stepdads, I should say. I'm not going to actually Damn. say his name just in case, but Damn. yeah. You know who uh, you are. You know who you are, you son of a bitch. Man, I, I had like a, a renaissance. When, when Is there I any sweeter young, revenge than your ex-stepfather listening to 130 episodes of your podcast <laughs> and getting called out in the outtakes, by the way? <laughs> yeah, this is this is for all, for Discord users only, so this won't make any sense to anyone else. But there's a picture that I've had saved on my phone for two years. Uh, and I, I always wanted to use it on Jeremy, and I finally just pasted it in the discord you've already reacted to it jeremy i appreciate that <laughs> uh, but i've literally had that on my phone for two years and i was like this is gonna be perfect i'm gonna say some stupid shit about kingdom hearts jeremy's gonna make fun of me and then i'm gonna post this picture of anakin saying he's overly crit- critical he never listens he-, he doesn't understand it's not fair it's a- it's a dumb picture and it's beautiful and i finally got the the absolute perfect time to use it and i've never felt more validated about anything however let me tell you a really scary story Uh-oh. so uh, when you're a little kid and you're into Star Wars, um, you're gonna have your obvious faves. So we played, uh, we played Star Wars all the time, and that means everybody, you know, picks a character that they want to be. Everybody wants to be Luke Skywalker. I was fortunate enough that I was often given the privilege of being Luke Skywalker, probably because I was bigger than everybody, <laughs> so I could just kind of, you know, whatever. I also had, I had Luke's Jedi green lightsaber. That was fucking tight as shit. Nobody else had that, you know. My one of my buddies had had Vader's lightsaber. So he was just like, yeah, I'm Darth Vader. I'm like, I'm Luke Skywalker. That's tight, dude. Like, forget about it. Um, yeah. You want to make out? You want to make out, dude? Uh, oh, wait, you're my dad. Um, bro, bro. You want to make bro, out, bro? Bro. Hey, bro. Hold, hold on, bro. I'll be Leia, you be hot. Bro, it's cool. Um, so the, And then I had a friend who was always trying to convince me to be Han. He was like, Han's the coolest character. Let me be Luke, you be Han. And in hindsight, he's correct. Han is the coolest character. But when you're little, you want to like, you know, you want to be the hero. You want to be the cool guy. Um, so we would just take turns. One of us would be Han, one of us would be Luke, and we would just play our games. And we we're like six years old, running around the backyard. Uh, and then we're seven or eight, and Phantom Menace comes out. So it's time to get back out there in the backyard, work everything out. Now I had two friends, Steve, one of them, um, 
who I played with all the time after school. We play in um, my grandmother. Actually, I live in this house now uh, in her big backyard. We'll go over there because she still has a huge backyard. <laughs> um, and we would run around. And I had Obi-Wan's lightsaber, so I'd be him. My friend would be Qui-Gon Jinn. He had the green lightsaber. And then Steve, my buddy Steve, he had the double-sided Darth Maul lightsaber. And we just had endless fun. And then we'd make up our own characters and have all this shit. Well, one day, I hung out with that kid who I used to take turns with being Luke and Han. And I said, I felt bad. I hadn't seen him in a while. And I was like, you know, I I used to always get to be Luke. I was like, so who's your favorite character? And I expected him to tell me that his favorite character was Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because that was, he was, he was popular. You know, he was cool. The kids wanted to be Obi-Wan. Um, and he tells me, to my great horror, uh, my favorite character is Jar Jar Binks. <gasps> and I want, I want to be Jar Jar Binks. And so I ran around the backyard with a lightsaber. And he just ran around yelling, like, Misa scared uh, Master Jedi or whatever the fuck. And he just ran around pretending to be Jar Jar Binks for, like, two hours. While the rest of us kids were Jedi. And it's... It's a That's, memory that haunts me. That is His the favorite worst character friend. was Jar Jar. <laughs> How is that? I, I guess you know that proves the rule, right? Like everybody said at the time, because again, 17, 18 years old, everybody was like, oh, Jar Jar sucks. He's only there to you know sell merchandise. He's only there for the kids. He's, he's just a bullshit character. And I guess it worked. Your friend Steve yeah. was, was all about it. it was, he no, was no, 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 no. Don't. That was not Steve. Steve was Darth Maul. Steve was cool. This was another kid. His name was also Chris. A word word. Okay. We're not friends anymore. And there's a reason for that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can- I'm just reliving it, man. I got to leave school to go and see. My dad picked me up. He was like, I- we got tickets to go see this new Star Wars movie. There was, you could get Lay's chips, Pepsi. Everything had fucking Anakin, their Qui-Gon stupid face on it. Everywhere you went, you get fucking chips with Zabulba on it. And he's like, and he's, you know, selling his mom and slavery or whatever. It was just a sick time to be a Star Wars fan. It- <laughs> Do you remember the scene in episode two where Anakin and Padme go and have a picnic together? Yeah, and there's like oranges or something, some some sexual tension, but there's oranges. I um, and again, remember, I'm watching this at a bar. I haven't seen this movie in years. I'm watching this at a bar. The sound yeah. is turned off. The motion smoothing is on. So it just looks extremely dumb. They're just like laying on a blanket on this weird alien planet. There's like no lie. 18 waterfalls that they have CGI'd in the background. Like, <laughs> like we get, we just got to cram waterfalls in the background to make yeah. this as romantic as possible. At one point there's like some alien version of a rhino or something. And like Anakin tries to ghost ride the rhino, which is really oh fucking like, God. and the, the CGI I'm sure like looks stupid to begin with. And then you put that motion smoothing like layer on it and it just looks ridiculous. It is so fucking terrible. Again, talking to Jesse, our good friend, uh, they told me that during that, there's a there's a scene where they're both laying on the blanket and Anakin is like laying out his dream political system. And she's like, no, nah, homie, that's fascism. And he's like, but it works. <laughs> but it works. <laughs> and they said, yo, what? That's what, what are you talking about? Like, that's that's a red flag. Yeah, Batman. Yeah. You need to run. You need to get the fuck out of there. We're all fine with um, Darth Vader, like, going dark side, like, literally, like, using dark powers and, like, getting his revenge in a very, like, theatrical Shakespearean way. But when he just has, like, bad political takes, that's just yucky. Nobody wants Darth Vader's fucking political takes. It's it's very weird that Star Wars, like, is basically, you know, like, the stormtroopers are literally named after Nazi stormtroopers. Like, they are... 
They are literal Nazi analogs. And then some people are like, but actually, I'm going to put the, the Stormtrooper logo on my car. I've got, I've yeah, got that sticker yeah. on the back. Like, I love Darth Vader. And I get, like... I love it, Nazis. Enjoying villains and whatnot. But, like, it's... I love to have my um, podcast host's audio disappear from my ears mid-conversation. It's my favorite. I don't... I I may have lost you. I, I can't hear you anymore. I'm sure you're giving me some um, uh, galaxy brain takes about uh, stormtroopers, but I can't hear them, and that makes me sad. I'm going to leave the chat, and I'll come back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I can hear myself. All I hear is myself in your coming out of you. Hmm. I'm worried that Jeremy's becoming a ghost because some of the things that I just heard on his audio suggest ghostly activity. Oh no, his laptop crashed out of nowhere. No, but what? I hope your audio saved. This has been a good conversation. Oh, thank God. The Star Wars takes have been saved. It's currently rebooting. You know, I don't even I don't even want to go back to the supernatural novel. So I'm just going to talk about these books. I think they were called Jedi Apprentice. I, I have Google at my fingertips, so I can look this up. Um, Jedi Apprentice novels. They were like kids' books. Yeah, holy shit! So the Dark Rival that was the first one that I read. I think. Holy smokes! This is a blast in the past. These are like my favorite books when I was a kid. They're Star Wars, obviously, expanded universe. It's no longer a thing. Um, uh, yeah, like, young reader books. And they were about Qui-Gon trading um, Obi-Wan to be a Jedi, taking him on as an apprentice when he's, like, age 12, which is already pretty late. He, he was a part of the Academy, but he'd never really stood out. Um, and Dark, The Dark Rival, I don't know if this is the first book. I think it might be. Oh, it's book two. Um, but that one is about Qui-Gon's old apprentice who went dark side. So actually, kind of like what? Two out of three of Qui-Gon's students went dark side. That's bad. Okay, the rising force. That was the name of this book. Fuck, dude. <laughs> this uh, this book cover is like bringing me back. This was my favorite book when I was little. And it has it has <laughs> um an image of Yoda, a ghost ghost Yoda on one side. Ghost Qui-Gon on the other side, and then the middle is this young kid who's supposed to be Obi-Wan, and he's, like, force-holding his lightsaber in between his hands, and it's very cool. It's very cool. Look it up. Star Wars Jedi Apprentice, The Rising Force. Man, this is really taking me back. You ever remember random stuff like that? That you're just like, oh, I didn't know I had nostalgia for this thing, but here I am having nostalgia for it. This is, this is wild. Let's look at some of these titles. Let's see. Rising Force, the Captive Temple, Jedi Apprentice, that's pretty normal. The Call to Vengeance, the Only Witness, the Death of Hope. 
The ties that bind. Ooh. Hello, Jeremy. Have you returned? Can you hear me? I just recalled these series of, like, children's books or, like, you know, young reader books. I don't know how you would, like, classify them. Um, about uh, Obi-Wan training under Qui-Gon. I read, like, ten of these books uh, when I was little. And I'm looking at the second one right now. It's called Star Wars Jedi Apprentice The Dark Rival. And as the listener already knows, because I would have explained this, um, <laughs> it's about Qui-Gon's old apprentice who went dark side. Qui-Gon Jinn must face his past as former apprentice Xanatos, who has turned to the dark side of the forest, returns to fight Qui-Gon and lead Offworld Corporation as the major mining faction to Bandomir. The Jedi Master must mm. request the help of the boy he refused to have as his Padawan, the young Obi-Wan Kenobi. Have you done any of the uh, like extended universe reading for Star Wars, besides like obviously these children's books that, you keep t- that you're talking about now? I, um... Yes, I can't remember. I mean, I honestly didn't remember these until like a minute ago. And looking, I'm looking at the book covers right now, and it's like kind of messing with me because I stared at these so much because I, I was no, I wasn't a very fast reader when I was little, so it took me forever to read these things, and I always had them in my backpack or whatever with me. So just like looking at these is like looking into my like elementary school backpack all over again. But yeah, I read I read a couple. Um, the first one I ever read was the the one that takes place directly after. Return of the Jedi. What's that one? Empire or something or other? This is probably the, the Thrawn books that takes place right after. Yeah. Some I read stuff. one yeah. of those. I got it from the library and I was very confused because I was just a baby and I was too stupid. Um, our I buddy, um, our buddy Brian Wade does a podcast mm-hmm. called Expanded Universe. He hasn't actually done it in like a year or something, but uh, he was going through all of the Expanded Universe books and recording podcasts about them. And I did the first Thrawn book uh, with him on that podcast and that's where i learned that like in the first 20 pages of that novel um leia's pregnant with twins they're hans uh, they're not Chewie's, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. in case anybody was wondering um yeah. chewie's got a family how dare you assume that he would he would do that yeah. outside of his marriage um <clears throat> is chewy polly versus is a jezebel article that's waiting to be written at some point um oh, yeah but like luke is concerned about the the twins that are that his sister is you know developing in her womb so he uses the force to go into the womb and check on them that's a real thing that happens in that book and it's extremely weird and bad and i hate it yeah i don't remember that from when i read them although i do remember reading books about the twins um no those aren't leia's breasts i'm talking about two actual children in the star wars universe um that was a really stupid joke huh um did you uh, uh did you ever get into like luke and bigger luke and all that no, I never got into Luke and Bigger Luke. I think I mostly read the kids stuff because I was at the point where um, my mom ran a daycare when I was little. So even when I was like six or seven or eight, getting a little bit older, we, she still had all these younger kids around that we, she would take to the library. And when I wasn't at school, I'd like, you know, go with them to do stuff like that. And uh, I would read all of the Star Wars books that they had in like the kids section. Uh, I mean, it was age appropriate stuff, but that's how I kind of like stuck with that. <laughs> There was there was no while. womb diving in the children's section of Star Wars fanfic. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, no womb diving. Um, uh, it's it's really funny. Young that Jedi Knights is what the series was called. That we're talking so much about Star Wars because in this episode, Dean has a, a Star Wars moment. He has like the classic like Luke Skywalker using the Force moment in this oh, episode. Yeah. Full on. They didn't even try to make it a different thing. They, oh, it's a reference. Is it a reference or did you just copy it? <laughs> <laughs> There is a very funny, I'm probably not going to bring it up on air, but, um, uh, oh man, there was something 
weird about oh yeah 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 in the um continuity section of the wikipedia for this episode mm-hmm. the very last entry is crowley's phone number is 666 and oddly enough his phone doesn't display the normal electronic interference suggesting demons can control that <laughs> i just i really mm-hmm. oh yeah that is that does suggest that and not just like we just need crowley to be able to take a phone call yeah. we don't care yeah. <laughs> I just I'm looking at these uh these Star Wars books still and there's one called Jedi Apprentice the Mark of the Crown and it just has Jesus on the cover of it. Word. Word. Give me give me like crucify Vader. That's that's the oh, way that the original trilogy should have <laughs> should have ended. It was crucifying Vader. <laughs> he died for all of your sins so that you could sin yeah. more. Okay, I'm gonna send you this picture. I mean it's Qui-Gon Jinn, but it's just Jesus Christ. Like <laughs> that's it. Oh man. All right, you ready to do this podcast now that we've had audio interference? We're 27 minutes of Star Wars content. Who knew we needed a Star Wars podcast until now? Yeah, and I've also got 10 minutes of thinking face outtakes that I saved, too. So, Oh, wow. Uh, All right. We're making me, up uh, for... Let me refill my stuff. water, and I will, uh, I'll be right back, and we'll start the podcast. Honestly, but to refill my foot up your ass, but yeah, sure. What? Uh, Chris, can I, can I interrupt this podcast for a minute? Sure. I just got a text message from my wife. It is a uh, a screenshot of um, a website that she is looking at, and it's the it's an article that says saying fifty three people you forgot were on Supernatural. Oh, that's a lot of people. Number one, can I can I read you this? <laughs> is it Gavin? No, it's not. It's Adrian Palicki uh, from the pilot. Adrian Palicki appeared as Jessica. Yeah, Jess. Yeah, the first known victim of Sam Winchester's death peen. <laughs> Ooh, ooh! <laughs> death peen's pretty good. Death peen, Chris. I wish they had said sting. Yeah, well, but... I mean, they don't want to. I, we would, we would be able to charge them seven thousand dollars. Like, yeah, was, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry that I interrupt the podcast for that. We'll have it's to put an that important in the aside. Um. <laughs> <laughs> 